This is for the birds. This is for the brainiacs. This is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back. You ain't gonna touch me. What's up, all you nerds and brainiacs? Welcome to the 100th episode of the Only Friends Podcast. I'm joined today by the majority of the crew. What? I think there's an echo. Is it bad? I'm almost positive it's an echo. I can see it. I told, I told you there was an echo. You, you can, can hear all the speakers. Oh, everybody can hear it. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I said. said. It's, it's like, like as, as if you don't, don't even pay attention. attention. Everyone's complaining. Everyone's saying echo, 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 echo. So, so turn, turn the speaker off. off. Hmm? How about now? Why do you have headphones on? Better. So that I can hear you guys. But we don't have headphones on. <laughs> the echo is the free giveaway. It'll be a, it'll be a fix tomorrow. Okay, it's better. Wait, what was the problem? It's how you guys routed it. That, oh. ra- that routing will always do that. You can't route it that way. Mm, what did you turn off? I turned off desktop audio. Ah, uh, okay. Andre just comes back and Welcome back, Andre. Problems. Yeah, hi. I just woke up like 40 minutes ago. I'm sorry yeah. that I wasn't here. Oh, wait. So that <laughs> means basically any clips that he plays will have no audio. So what will have to happen is he mutes everything. He has the hotkey to that and switches on desktop audio. And oh, then... easy peasy. We'll fix out a more permanent solution yeah, moving that's forward. that's fine. 100 episodes, just production Hi, everybody. tips the entire yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. That's all we're going to do. Gua- Guapo knows what to do. He knows what to do. Guapo, this do you is, know what to do? Uh, this is the 100th episode in a nutshell. Yeah. It's been a real learning experience. Mm-hmm. This is why we're late all the time. Yeah. We're just doing production stuff. Yeah. Well, wow. it kind <laughs> of... Yeah, yeah, I just said... Uh, <laughs> just go yeah. with it. Production stuff, stuff. yeah. I mean, it's not not true. We we do have this issue where none of us are really producers or uh, production savvy. I mean, you're different, but you're not here very often. Yeah, you left us. All right, look, Landon, I didn't leave you. He's you did. feeling abandoned. You abandoned yes. me in my time of need, Andre. Because it's because he's so young. Why is your mic pointed towards Yo, your tits? <laughs> Fuck. Because he's a Somerville Stud Club, which apparently I'm supposed to know this shirt. How do you not know this shirt? You're supposed to be our production team. <laughs> yeah, I've been gone, okay? So your microphone's aimed at Daddy, your dick? Daddy had to go get some cigarettes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Since you've been gone, I can't breathe for the first time. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Jesus. Is that, is that I, what happened? I literally... You guys know this. I just got back yesterday. Mm-hmm. Where so were I you? Know. I was in Italy. Uh, New Jersey first, then Italy, then... Malaysia. Wow. Must and be I, nice. I go back to Malaysia this not next Monday. You're just gallivanting around the world. And then so I go to Cyprus on September third. And then I'm there until I'm down. I'm there until September twentieth. And then I come back to you, Landon. For how long? Well, technically <laughs> I'm gonna take two weeks off after that. And then <laughs> you're gonna go not back. From, not from this year, not. No. no. This doesn't work. Come sit down, and then uh, and then after that, chat. I'm back, and then I think I have a, a Triton deal that I'm I'm trying to figure out, but um, it, it's pretty. You know, I'm pitching twelve weeks a, a year, which is crazy. That's a quarter of the year, the working year. 
Good math. But daddy will be home 36 months out of the year, so it's fine. 36 months out of the year? Or 36 weeks out of the year. Mm -hmm. A a quarter is not really that much when you put it into perspective. No. Because it's not like you're going. How much they're probably paying you. Yeah, and you're not going for three months straight. (laughs) No. Right? It's going to be three weeks, four iterations. Yeah. That's not, that's a vacation. It's honestly not that long of a time. It, well, it's wild to think about, even in the terms of just like how much you can like transform yourself when it comes to like the way like you look or like feel in like a quarter. Like three months is not that long of time. <laughs> yeah. Is he calling back the towel picture somehow? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm not talking about the fucking towel picture. I'm just talking about in general. Like it's you can like, lose yo, a lot of weight in three months. In, in three months' time? Yeah. Ask Tony Horton. He knows. I don't know Tony Horton. Uh, Phil does. Uh, the old. Yeah. So. so I don't like these. I don't like these references that I don't know. P90X. You know, I almost said 90 Day Fiance, which same thing. <laughs> you probably just gain weight that way. <laughs> yeah, P90X. You know, the f- 90 days you transform your entire body. The Whatever fact that you're so P90X. Uh, honestly, that whole like conglomerate of Beachbody mm-hmm. is one of the most successful online fitness platforms I've ever, ever. seen. Yeah. It's insane. They basically did what uh, poker training sites did only for fitness. And instead of teaching you the rhyme or reason behind working out, they just, they basically have like the run at once model where they have like a hundred coaches. It's like a blueprint. Yeah. They have like a hundred coaches. They all come out with different workout programs. Wasn't it a machine or no? That was a program. It was just a program. Yeah. I'm thinking about the Bowflex. Did you you know that Tony Horton is no longer with Beachbody? I did not. Yeah, they had creative differences, and then he branched out on his own. And the uh, the platform he uses, Uscreen, hmm. same as Software Y. I got to tell you, he's probably not doing as well as he was. At How Beach could Party. you be? I mean, under that umbrella, like like Beachbody has so much money behind it and advertising, and it's a established brand. So yeah, I'd be curious, Guapo, if you could find anything. I would be astonished if they aren't a hundred million dollar company. Yeah. Just P90X in general? Or no, like no, Beachbody. Beach, it, oh, it's literally called like Beachbody Incorporated you or whatever. Like if you, it's like Beachbody has their own app and then you pay oh. a subscription fee so, and you get all these different, um, you know, workouts and, and P90X was part of that. So this all happened over the course of like 10 years. In 2010, mm-hmm. P90X was released as a box set DVD collection. Uh-huh. Oh, and it was the wow, half a billion. There you go, trading a dollar and forty-one. Not shocked. Not shocked <laughs> at all. I mean, it's kind of like a stable coin. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can call it that. Sure. Get your head out of the gutter. Which gutter? The the crypto gutter. <laughs> it is a gutter. Right Did now. you see that meme I sent? It's a guy who didn't lose any weight, and it just says, "This guy transformed by losing forty-five thousand yeah. dollars." Yeah. <laughs> So go on with your so. Uh, so it was just released as a box set of DVDs. It was like their number one product. And then they had a few supplements on top of it. So like protein, right. shit like that. Okay. Not a very Shakeology. big company. Yeah, Shakeology. So not a big company at all. P90X explodes. They can't sell them fast enough. Wow. With, within three years time, <clears throat> they then developed the Beachbody app. And they bring on like Sean T., who creates the insanity program yeah i've seen those yeah um and then, i know like, someone who lost a ton of weight 
with uh insanity it's so hard yeah it's very he hard. got like ripped he was like yeah. big in high school and he got like ripped yeah it seems like if you just like do actual workouts and eat correctly you can change your life in like a quarter well their big selling point is uh it's not time intensive so mm. they have like programs for the stay at home it's Mom, like you can do it in 15 minutes yes some are like 15 minutes some are 30, 30. some are yeah. an hour yeah yeah um they say that but like your body is still humming like an hour later yeah. after those workouts. They're yeah. so hard. And yeah. the original P90X was like 90 minute plus workouts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those were rough. Bro. Super rough. I got in really <clears throat> shockingly good shape the first time I did P90X. Oh, you so you did this? Yeah. You did like... He was doing this like yeah. last year. No. <laughs> you weren't? Uh, during the pandemic, I was... I still had the app, so I was messing yeah. around with it. I did the, the third one, the PIX3, which, like, the first one was 90 minutes, and then the yeah. second one, most of them were, like, around an hour, and then they came up with the third one, where it was, like, everything was 30 minutes. I'm like, are, that's my speed. These guys are geniuses. Yeah. Like, right. you know, we can do it in 15 yeah. now. Uh, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying P90X3 is for cowards, but <laughs> he's a little soft. That's because I don't stick to it. Yeah, that 30 minutes, too much a, of an ask. Ryan, because it's a scam. You want me to start it right now and we'll see what I look like now compared the, to uh, 90 it. days from now? I'm here for the tortoise. I'm here for the tortoise the tortoise transformation. Yeah. yeah. The right. quarterly tortoise. And then we'll I want to we'll see, see if, a quad we'll see if, uh, off between the tortoise and Landon. Oh. <laughs> Someone's got to step up to the plate. The, he thinks he has huge quads. I don't think someone I have to, anything. I just think that. Someone has to step up. I, I just booked a bet with Guapo actually yesterday. Yeah, oh, yeah? I, it was a body fat percentage. Uh, I don't like my side. And he has till December 20th. Why 20th? To, to get to 16.5 body per. Wow, body that's, that's going to be hard. at what right now? I think he can do that. Uh, probably probably mid-20s. Like probably like 25, 27. Yeah, 23, 24, something He's like that. He's not that. Mm. But he yeah. likes food a lot. He loves mm -hmm. But here's the thing. <laughs> when he went keto, he, went, he was like under 50 the whole time for a month straight. Just trying it for the first time. Yeah. Under 15, one five. You said under 50, I'm sorry. Under five zero. Five, uh, 50, um, percent 50 grams body. of carbs. Oh, I was oh. like 50% oh, like yeah, body fat. Yeah, That's like, insane. Like, it's it's like, like, of course he was. It's like he transformed, but transformed for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he went from 24% to 50%. Yeah. He was over 50% body fat the whole time. So he, wow. he has really, really good discipline. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Guapo, he went from like sign? 180. I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius. <laughs> Oh, okay. He went from 180 to like 155 in like a couple months, that, three months. That doesn't equate to lower body fat percentage. Like, there isn't a positive <clears throat> correlation there, like or at least loss. not a strong one, right? Because you could lose a ton of fat, but not have any muscle Listen, guys, beneath it. Yeah. Enough of these body fat challenges. I want to see you guys pump up the body fat. Let's get those clouds going. No, you know? oh I don't want to be cloudy. Wait, so what's your side of the bet? I, I'm, I'm the, well, I want him to. to right. Oh, so under. you don't have to get to anything. So it's I'm just for him. him. Yeah, I'm betting. So you, Guapo, you bet on yourself to get to 16 and a half. Yeah, but would, would, I, I don't like my side. Would you guys bet? A little bit of money. Just yeah. money? Yeah, just a little bit. Mm. if you bet more, I'll make sure you get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, you got you know, P90X for you. I'm listening. If you, if you, if you cut me into this. He, he's if, ready to look at test cycles and stuff. No, we don't got to go that far. I'll just whip his ass into shape.
I, th I actually build think, some I, think, uh, I think Winstrel would be the way to go, right? Well, I mean, that's... Are you talking into the mic? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean if I you're going to do... <clears throat> I want to get to 12%. We all do. I want to get to 12%. I think it's possible. I want to get to 30. I think I get to... <laughs> I, think I, get, I think I can get to 12 for... You guys are trying to go down to going up. Is getting to 12. Mosa, that's a big... I'm booty. trying to be a big bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, know how, do you know how annoying it is? I get I get so many messages from friends that it's just like Melissa is the most hilarious person ever, all Thank the time, you. and I'm just like shut we, the fuck up. I agree because I know what goes on in our WhatsApp chat, and you are not the funniest person ever. You're the most disgusting. You're kind of jarring. You're kind of jarring. I'm a lot. You're a lot. You know. We're that all is. Lot. I'm a lot. That is one of my takeaways uh, for the first hundred episodes. Is that. Melissa is a lot. I'm a lot, you know. A lot going on over there. I that's I've learned that. But to be fair, first hundred episodes, I've learned that I'm a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair though, it really is a sour patch kid situation. I know, I am a sour patch kid. I, I, every guy I've dated has said that about me. The flavor though. <laughs> Does that mean I'm abusive? No. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe. Depends on how cloudy it is, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it depends how psychologically abusive you want to call it. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, well, well, well. You'll have it. Um, yeah. We cut right into the shits, just totally shit all over what I had played for an intro. But that's a good intro, of course. To all the loyal listeners in the chat, uh, we do have something special for you guys today. I decided that it's time we give back a little bit. Lamanna, this is the first time you're hearing this because I forgot to tell you in pre-production, basically. That's okay. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. That's Perfect. Uh, so <laughs> we are going to run a contest oh. for the viewers in the chat. Uh, and we're going to give away five homeschools. Five homeschools? Five homeschools. What about some shirts, money. too? Well, relax. <laughs> they could buy the shirts. Oh, Those yeah. are cheap. I'm looking out yeah. for you guys. Homeschools a thousand bucks. All right. More. 15, okay, that's that's 15, yeah. uh, that's legit. Okay, so we do have some new merch. If you guys are interested in that uh, and you want a link, go ahead and hit exclamation point merch in the chat. That'll take you to uh, those are our, our models. <laughs> those are our guys right there. You know, yep. I'm not gonna lie. I saw one of the um, a jujitsu guy a, a jujitsu video of someone rolling with an OnlyFans uh, compression shirt, and I wanted an OnlyFans compression shirt. So. Yeah. I'll make that happen, right? I'll have to check and uh, see if compression shirts Maybe are some available. beanies <laughs> for the winter. Oh, no. Ooh, yeah. This some could be very some bad. Beanies? Some beanies? What's that? Yeah. You can definitely uh, do beanies. Yeah. Nightbot doesn't seem to be working, and I don't know why. Damn you, Nightbot. <sighs> I can't run a contest. First you, Nightbot. If Nightbot doesn't work. <clears throat> hmm. Guapo will just scroll to random people and then pick those people. It's I believe it's no, 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 no. That, that can't work. Uh, try hashtag merch. Let's go with that one. I don't See if think that, that gets won't it done. Work. No, I think it does. I'm really? looking at the. Yeah, I'm looking to me right. now. He's okay. reading Nightbot's instructions, so Nightbot actually wasn't right. being incorrect in the first place. Right. Uh, so hopefully that works. We'll keep an eye on the chat. Going on. Um, well, that's awesome, Berkey. When did you decide to do that? Because you also didn't consult me on this giveaway. <laughs> Just now. Wow. Uh, but I need to know that Nightbot works. Is it working? It's not. That's yeah. the problem. I well, can't announce the, the contest. What's the command for the Nightbot contest? Did you make the contest? <laughs> uh, I did. <clears throat> it's exclamation point. Mm, 
giveaway. Man, you I want believe? full? <laughs> is it merch no. or is it giveaway? No, no. Exclamation point contest. You want full, okay, so it's you want exclamation full Christian point Soto contest. On this, on this giveaway, too. Is just this something giving Christian it all away. Christian, you've been so quiet. <laughs> I know. <It's> <laughs> I know. He is so quiet. Have you lost weight? Uh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> the invisible man. Zero percent body fat. Zero percent. Okay. Body fat. Okay. Nightbot worked for the contest. Okay. Cool. So, if you want a chance to win, wait. Uh, what? This is just bringing up the, um, command like command command it's just bringing is it working because it's actually just oh, pulling up i'm looking right at it. it says email us at applications at solve but everyone thinks that if they do exclamation point contest they're entering oh yeah no 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 that's why it's spamming that's what i thought too that's what yeah, i, that's what I well. also thought i well, mean the email contest yeah, you that's have, real you should have let school. me know about this because there's a there's a raffle mechanism inside yeah. of Nightbot. Nightbot. Yeah, but it doesn't help us. We need the we need them to email because oh, so that we can give them the the actual login. Yeah, that oh. makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a multi-step so, okay. giveaway. Here. Well, so. it's gonna be hilarious that Brian's gonna get let's say like 200 emails. Yeah, exactly. After this, oh, he I'm said anything he's ready for. <clears throat> yeah, whatever you need. Okay, so <laughs> follow the Nightbot command. Send us an email. Send with a letter. Your, <laughs> send a missive. You know, you guys aren't making this any easier. Send an email to applications at solve4yacademy.com from your Solve4Y TV email address. So basically, uh, you have to have at least free roll access to our site. And Brian will then pick five winners to gain access to homeschool which is a roughly 36-hour-long course. It includes myself, Jesse Sylvia, Landon, Andrew Brokus, um, and Russell Thomas, as well as a couple other coaches who basically go over um, game theory principles at its core. So we're going uh, to do a five-part giveaway. By the end of the show today, we'll announce in the chat who the winners are. And... Uh, Efro said, I, I sent my entry to Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, yeah. 60652. <laughs> he, knows, he, knows how to, uh, he knows how to win, you know? Man, respect to the callback <clears throat> the right there. The guy knows how to win. Uh, okay, so this ended up getting a little bit more messy than I thought it would. It's but. so funny. If ever I have to put in um, like a, an address and I don't want my actual address being put in, yep. I use that address. Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and and I, I just type in a random street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you Scruff McGruff? <laughs> Are you? Uh, and it's funny that you, you remember the zip code as well. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's part of the, the song. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, help, how could I ever forget? Help take a bite out of crime, Are we baby. about to get 10,000 emails into the applications? Uh, I hope so. I'm not. I do not hope that. Include a picture email. of your feet. That's fine. You just pick a random five. It's okay. Yeah, I'm just saying that there might be important stuff in there that's going to get lost in the mix. <clears throat> so anybody that's trying to email us for other reasons, you're fucked. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just give it an hour okay. or so. The tortoise moves at his own speed. You know, if we plan this out, you could have you could have made like a giveaway. I know. Could have made a separate email account. But he didn't tell me. He just no, 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 no. Just, you know. Wow. No, this is you're this really is all screwing with the tortoise's process. Intention. Because then those emails are now a part of our email list. Right, of course, we know, but you can still do that another way. 
It's okay, Brian. He's mad. You have Brian, this is Brian. My phone is just buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get a notification every time. Well, you're going to have to mute it. Uh, you're going to have to mute it like you mute our group chat. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to tell you, I appreciate you all. The, uh, the sheer entertainment I'm getting right now, just out of knowing that he's going to have to filter through all this, is worth every bit. Look at this. He's going to take forever to respond. <laughs> I'm going to pick the first five I see. <laughs> this is the first five. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Shout out to Adam Lowry. Thank you so much. He says congrats for 100. We appreciate you, you my man. Can you believe how many hours we've talked? It's only been 27 people so far. A lot. A lot. We have to be going on like 200 plus hours. Yeah. A lot of time in this place. And probably like 300 plus production, uh, uh, pre-production hours. Yeah. Real shit show, that yeah. pre-production. Yeah. Well, some of us have been here for pre-production. Some others have been in Malaysia. Wow. wow. You really triggered his abandonment wound. I, I did. You left me. Mm -hmm. Landon. You left me when I needed you most. I have a life too. You when go to Florida all the fucking time. I don't say shit. When I needed you most. Okay. And then you just stay there for like multiple weeks at a time. I don't say shit. We can as have. soon as I leave once and I come back. Yeah, some of us didn't come back. <laughs> some of us come back for one episode <laughs> and then leave. Yeah, there it is. Uh, I'm just right. joking. I love you, Andre. And I tell you, I, I told you too. I'm I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back to you, Landon. It's you two okay. can hug it out a little bit. Let me well, get we through the run of show hug. at least. We yeah, didn't yeah. even get our pre-production hug in. But anyways, yeah. go on. That's true. Seems like it's on you I mean, guys. It is. It's, it doesn't. It's never a hug. It's just him <clears throat> wrestling you to the ground. No, 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 no. We do proper hug. Okay. <laughs> you know this, Melissa. It gets a little erotic. It gets a, very erotic. <laughs> okay. Now we just swung the other way, but it does get erotic. It does. <laughs> Look, it's a nice hug. We just like to hold. Yeah. It's all right. Everybody needs to be held once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Need to need to direct the fanfic somewhere else. <laughs> okay. What else so, is going on, Matt? For today's show, <laughs> we have something very special planned. Ali Najad will be in studio in 30 minutes or so. Uh, we have a long one in store for you guys today. Our plan is to go two and a half, maybe three hours. We're gonna break this down into three parts. The first part, the intro, uh, basically some of what you guys have already gotten as well as i want to kind of revisit the past 100 episodes some lessons learned some things that we could potentially do better uh as well as you know some good times we had along the way then we're gonna have ali in studio after a short five minute break he'll be here for 45 minutes to an hour depending on how the conversation goes another short break and then we are gonna wrap with uh just kind of kicking a little bit discussing what our plans are for the podcast, what we hope to get out of this, uh, announcing the winner to the contest. By winner, I mean winners. Amanda's going to be picking five of them by the end of the show. Oh, oh my by God. the end of the show, I'm picking yeah, them? Yeah, look at How am face. I picking them? At random. Oh, I just scroll through and say, yeah. this one looks good. This one looks good. Yeah, I mean, you have enough emails at this point that you could just... Done. Okay, right? perfect. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe you pick one an hour. And then... Okay. Two at the yeah. end. So if you're watching this, uh, not live, do not email us. The, <laughs> the contest is already over. You know, if you're doing it like that, they're yeah. incentivized to email you every hour now. And you have no way to uniquely yeah. check. That's okay. You fucked this up. Bro, we'll if they game the system, they really want it. Good for them. It's fine. I don't care. We encourage gaming the system. We don't encourage gaming the system. <laughs> if anything over this last hundred episodes has been proven to be true... We do not encourage gaming the system. Are you saying that our email list is going to 100x? 
It's, it depends. Do you want to be on board or not? Yeah, it's up to me, isn't it? It's basically up to you. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. Before I get into a short list that I curated of things that I've learned over the last 100 episodes, I kind of want to go around and just like ask you guys what, uh, what your big takeaway is from this fucking experiment so far. Landon? I'm going to start here? Yeah. With things that I've experienced or have reflected upon in these uh, first 100 episodes that yeah. I may or may not have been a part of. Yeah. This isn't the SATs. You don't have to restate the question. No, I got I to gotta reach <laughs> your word count, you know? Okay. So we gotta, well, I just wanted, I wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about. Well, I realized I do enjoy it. I realized that it is fun being here with you guys every day when we do end up running them. Uh, obviously, sometimes not here because of travel, but it is what it is. And I feel like we're kind of providing something that the poker space was sort of missing. And I didn't really realize it until it kind of happened every day and then got some of like the love from the WSOP, from just like being out in Florida, being kind of anywhere. People just like, oh, hey, like love the podcast. Like I love listening to you guys talk about absolutely nothing every day or whatever. And it's nice to kind of be able to do that and provide some sort of service, if you will. So now that we've made it this far, the truth can come out. You were out. I was out. I was out for the WSOP because I just honestly did not care. That. Oh no, I was out. So pre WSOP, we were, we had a conversation about whether or not we're gonna we're gonna end it all, and I was like, you know, <laughs> I kind of want to end it all. all. Like I'm done. Like I've I've had enough. I'd rather play WSOP. I'd rather focus on my own things. And honestly, half of you would be happy that I was not on the podcast anymore. <laughs> so you know what? I'm still fucking here. Uh, but yeah, I was definitely on the side of having other things to do, not really want to be a part of it and not really want to keep running it. If there were certain things that were going to happen when it comes to like attendance or people saying that they can, can't make it. And then it being the sporadic project of half of the time people would be here. The other half of the time people wouldn't. And how are we going to get a show going? How are we going to run all these things? So might as well just end it before WSOP. Cause if we start running it now, we're just going to be wasting our own time, but we made it, we made it through and here we are. So now you're happy you stuck around. I don't know about all that. Mm. I'm happy that we made it this far. I'm not entirely sure how happy I am about it, like, continuing. But I do enjoy <laughs> being here when it does happen, which I think is fair. Like, do I look into the out, like, into the beyond and think to myself, man, I wish we could do a thousand episodes? Fucking no. But I'll be here every day when we have one. What if it's a thousand? And it's a thousand. But if it's not, it's not. Okay. <clears throat> Very apathetic. Yeah. Outlook. Seriously. I can understand why you have an ab- abandonment issue because you want to <laughs> abandon so fucking fast. I know. He's just projecting. I have my own stuff to worry about. I had poker to play. I had things to do. Things I cared more about than you the got podcast. Girls to explain sim outputs to. No, that was beforehand. Oh. Yeah. That's done now. Yeah, that's gone. That's long gone. It's back on the podcast. I'm back. Here for the grind. Still here for the gym, though. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you know, you can do it a quarter. Well, according to Tony Horton, you change your life. You can do a lot. Melissa, how do you feel about this experiment? Um, it's good. I think I've learned some stuff about myself. I think we've all grown closer through it, which is nice. Um, I learned that I need to watch my mouth sometimes. Could get me into trouble. 
not really though i'm not gonna watch my mouth don't worry um <laughs> i think i enjoy speaking more than i thought i would um it's nice to provide some sort of value to the community uh yeah it's fine with me i think you're our most clippable uh i'm the soundbite yeah. one mm -hmm. yeah yeah Just i'd be great on a reality show yeah well yeah you would be would so crush. divisive well yeah it's honestly i think i've been uh training my whole life for it right yeah yeah i could just see you going in there making quick friends with somebody and the very next day just like nose to nose them, them in the face yeah, yeah. exactly <clears throat> you never know you never know also well it's sort of a like daily check-in kind of thing it keeps you aware of your cycles and i become aware of mine you know i definitely have cycles sure sometimes i'm moody sometimes i'm not <laughs> i never know how much of that to chalk up to lack of sleep i sleep too much well, i've been sleeping like 12 plus hours i mean we don't know yeah you're just you know in the room gone. Yeah. so it could be a 16 hour sleep it could be a three hour nap yeah Stuff. you never know <laughs> there's a lot of variance i'm a high variance individual right. a high variance sleeper you know? yeah. we, we've gathered yeah andre your short stint with the crew yeah it's definitely been interesting first time i like uh you know as you know berkey i'm pretty antisocial. i don't mm. do anything so in terms of being with people um i, I don't think i've been uh, seeing this many people this often since like 2012, 2013, something like that. Uh, when I was in, I was in a, when I was a commentator. Um, and it's honestly pretty lovely. I mean, now that I know all of you guys a lot more, you're a lot more bearable. True <laughs> <laughs> or false, after like week two, you left the group chat and oh, I was so done turned it all over to Guapo. I was, no, 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 no. It wasn't only two. It was probably like month 1.5. Okay. But yeah. we were, it was only like 20 episodes in. I yeah. Was like, no, I'm over this. Can't do it. Um, and it was, it was an emotional drain on me. And it's not because like, it's just because it was so many personalities and there was so much nonsense. And I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to learn to just like not. It's like you guys are all disasters and I had to deal with it. Not read it. Right. But it's, it has nothing to do with actually you guys. It's all to do with how I, um, how I like input everything. Like, I don't know. Are you, it's not you, it's meeting <clears throat> us right now? Yeah. But it's true though. Like I, you know, I'm the type of person that like me and, me and Brian went to karaoke the other night. Uh, what's the other night? Probably like two months ago now. About a month, month, Fucking month, over a month, yeah. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> no, it had to be two months because I was gone for six, six weeks. So, uh, two months ago and I, I, we, we finished up at like two and I was up till like five just decompressing <laughs> because I was with humans and I, I just couldn't take it. And now it's like when I'm with you guys, it's, it's fine. That's good. Or at least the pod, it's fine. I can just go back to normal. We're yeah. your very distant family. Yes. No. We've yes, grown on right. you. Respect. Most of you guys have grown on me. I understand. Why are you looking at me like that? We got a Fucked huge up. super chat. 
Shout out to my man, Bobby Lupo. Wow, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, Bobby. Wow, Bobby. My man, Bobby. <laughs> People can't speak English. Wow, Bobby. <laughs> we really appreciate that, man. He said, happy 100th episode. He dropped us a undo fight. Wow. Oh. Call back to yeah, Dan O'Brien's poker star's fight. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I do know that I have to just spend like a day redoing this entire set. Yeah, there's a lot we need to right? change. Right? Like, look, I thought for sure the Somerville, like all my equipment downstairs. So people don't know, like half the run it up equipment is actually downstairs in this office. Uh, people don't know from outside, and I actively said people I'm not going to use it. I actually said that I'm not going to use it, but I'm paying insurance to make sure it's all okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just bust out the PTZs, boys and girl. So I what mean, now? Good. I don't know what you're saying, to be honest. I know what he's saying. We bust I've out for Andre. Yeah, we bust out the fancy cameras. Yeah, they move. Say, no, no, no. Hold on. No, no, no. I need. You I can need, control hold them. On, all hold on. Hold on. You're telling me that all of this time we had cameras that made us look better, but instead we're using this camera. For what we it's worth, we didn't have cameras. <clears throat> For what it's worth, they won't make you look better. They just have the capacity to zoom in and rotate. Well, they can be controlled better. remotely. Those are the cameras you see on Big Brother. You ever watch Big Brother? Yeah, they're, they're the camera. same cameras that, um, they're, they're like the industry standard like five years ago or so. Yeah. It's the exact same cameras that PokerGo uses. We have a couple of 4Ks as well. I think we should do it. We can, but we need a, a chonkier setup. Donkey setup because they they're not the same inputs as as these cameras. Uh, actually, these cameras in particular. We'll probably but I have need, this conversation. I need another, another time. video card. <laughs> Excuse we'll me. Probably Marissa? have this conversation another time. <laughs> 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 Seems like an off-air conversation. No, enough. this is the hundredth episode. Yeah, all right. This is production tips, everything. Right? We're totally right? gonna give all everybody. Right. We, we can talk about episode. it. Lamanda, you've really come into your own. I mean, I've always wanted a cool nickname. Now I'm the tortoise, so it's all worth it for me. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, well, when, when you first kind of like pitched this idea and you said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, I'm thinking like, okay, we're going to do it like once a week or maybe three times a week. You're like, no, it's every day. I'm like every day. That sounds like a lot. Um, but I think, I think it wouldn't be the show it was if it was once a week or even three days a week. I think it, the fact that it's every day, it keeps the show flowing and moving and we've had so much more content and things grew in, like the show grew so much more because of having it that many days and i mean i'm here for it i enjoy it um i actually feel way more like in tune to the poker community in these last few months than i haven't been in like the last five years or more or longer 10 years maybe i don't know it's just like i once i like started you know working for self for why and just doing the back end business stuff i kind of like got away from like the community part and um you guys would talk about people I'm like who is who is this person i don't know who these people are they're like you know they're just like one of the best poker players in the world i'm like oh okay but now i'm like more in tune to it and uh you know it's fun i enjoy it yeah i think that kind of touches on a lot of the uh aspects that i i've probably learned a lot uh i'm gonna break this up in half because uh we're not gonna have enough time for me to get through it all before uh, Najad comes in and there's a bigger topic that I want to touch on that uh, we can discuss after uh, the Najad interview but in a more shallow sense I think that this has been a real lesson in 
execution of a vision and how challenging that actually is on the day to day. Yeah. Um, I think we can all agree that like when this idea was kind of thrown around, we were all on board of like, okay, our community doesn't have this. This is a great way to set ourselves apart, uh, really introduce ourselves on a more personal level with the community at large and, uh, you know, hopefully grow and develop uh, a bit of a, I don't want to call it a fan base. That, that seems reductive, but grow a bit of a, a following and a sub community of our own mm-hmm. that, you know, we can be in touch with. And like Landon said, uh, you know, brushing elbows with people during the World Series, it wasn't a whole lot of like, oh man, I love watching you on this live stream cash game or, or uh, you know, I, I love what you've right. done through. It was very much, the Only Friends podcast is awesome. I'm, it it I'm so was happy. wild how like, because I'm not like in the public sphere, like you've been for like the, you know, the better part of a decade to well, you are a now. turn away from you. Um, but like it, um, you know, I couldn't sit down at a table at the World Series without someone commenting that, oh, I watched the podcast and I love the podcast. It, mm. it was it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. I think our community is awesome because they are like like us. <laughs> They're just like funny and weird and gross. Sure. Maybe you've conditioned them that way. I feel well, a bit conditioned. You know. I feel a little indoctrinated into the Melissa humor. I'm not going to lie. You it's like, really contagious. It yeah. is. You, you kind of weed out the weak, you know? Like if, you've made it, <laughs> if you've made it here for 100 episodes, like you there's something the wrong with you. Yep. <laughs> like, like all of us here. Yeah, I feel probably. like there's a personality for everyone, though. Yeah, 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 I think that's true too. Yeah. Um, oh. And, you know, despite his absence uh, for both of them, I think both Conrad and Christian bring a lot more of the lighthearted pot stirring. You know, different, obviously. Conrad's the lighthearted yeah, one, Christian's right. the pot stirring. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that like everybody kind of plays a role and facilitates something that's very necessary in order for this to work. I will say that this is like what we've done in 100 episodes is not what I envisioned at all. Um, I envisioned far more structure and I envisioned uh, far more planning show by show, week by week, whatever the case may be. And I think we saw that a lot in the first, I don't know, two weeks worth or, or so. Yeah. We tried a lot of stuff. We experimented. I thought that, um, you know, taking deeper dives into current events like we did with the Rampage. Uh, session on on hustler yeah um you know even though it, it got some backlash with the the bunny episode on hustler i thought that that was all very topical at the time mm-hmm. which led into the cheating scandals which was insanely topical and uh you know we did put a lot of work into those episodes i thought that um experimenting with the template of bringing back old stories that like landon's generation might not be aware of similar mm-hmm. to the brandy hawbaker thing was um both a good idea, but also a lot of work. And it's something that like moving forward, I'd like to do more of those types of things, but I'm not exactly sure necessarily how to go about the planning phases. Yeah. Um, for sure on the day to day, I didn't expect to just come and shoot the shit with six friends. Like I thought that would be kind of an undercurrent to what the whole show was uh, with structure and, um, you know, interesting topical things to the poker community kind of leading the way but what i really think that i've walked away with after 100 episodes is understanding that poker is very hard to talk about day out day after day 
from a media outside of the World Series. Yeah, yeah, the World Series, obviously, yeah. you know, it was easy. There was a story every day. Right. It kind of wrote itself. There were stories when there were no stories to even be created. Right. Like, there's, there's Nipplegate. There's, <laughs> there, there's everything. Yeah, you, you know? stick, you stick 10,000 people in a room. Some shit's going to go down. Exactly. You know? 45 days of, of these guys in close quarters. Like, it's kind of like being on the outside of a fish tank right. watching this reality show unfold before you. But also you. being part of the fish tank. Right, yes. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, we have access to a lot of, uh, you know, I don't want to say the industry secrets, but like we're exposed to pretty much everything yeah. based off of where we're at in our careers. So I think like obviously during WSOP time, I'm so happy we decided to go forward and stick to the daily uh, regime or regiment uh, during that time. Um, even though it required a little bit of sacrifice and a little bit of discipline, I think everybody should be commended for that. But outside of that, what I'm realizing is there's a lot of stuff that you can talk about, but at the same time, almost nothing, right? It's really difficult to separate the signal from the noise. And it's like, sure, we could cover a live stream every single day. We could do a strategy segment every single day. But it's like, even when I just propose those ideas, so I could stupid. see I could see myself losing half of our room, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like Landon's ears perk up and Melissa just like goes into, I want to leave immediately mode. Yeah, but the, I prefer oh. strategy over the pirates but yeah, yeah i was gonna say like strategy i'm sure you're yeah you're i'm fine it. with you say um, that now but the difference between a poker strategy segment and a segment on the pirates is about mm, 45 minutes like, yeah pirates is 45 minutes no. longer <laughs> right? no. well like i just after seeing these episodes kind of happen from like day in day out it's very clear that this is not supposed to be a strategy type of section like podcast this isn't supposed to be anything along those lines i find it and obviously you can speak to like what you thought of the way things are going or the way things can be when it comes to the way that our structure is now like we show up we talk about stuff we move on i like that more than the other structural type of approaches that we might have had yeah prior as a general template i agree yeah uh, i think that there's room to experiment uh shout out to my man jason lee his 20 dollars said congratulations we really appreciate you thank you for all Thanks, the jason. yeah i think it, it helps us be more ourselves when it comes to the like shooting the shit type of thing and like you know i've kind of changed a little bit as the podcast started to now when it comes to like some certain things like changed a lot like, your hair's yeah. different yeah. you got a haircut a, a little bit different like per I'm kind of becoming more of an adult slowly. Yeah. But you can kind of like, it's nice that you guys get to see that too. Yeah. And then people come up to you sometimes and be like, ah. Well, not just us. Like in some regards, if we keep doing this, you'll grow up in front of the camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you're at that age where you're not really uh, necessarily solidified in who you are. Like your frontal lobe might develop on camera <laughs> well that's that's barring me getting to 25 yeah. you still have like five more years of your brain development probably. five yeah 28 27 i thought 25 27. was prefrontal and 28 was like peak hormonal anyways it's gonna take a while for me you know but yeah. i'll be here you'll be here for the thousands episode hopefully God, i really yeah. like uh the different dynamics you know it's like a vastly different but very unique show when it's like it would be me, you, DePaulo, and Landon, or it's uh, Melissa and Conrad. And mm -hmm. it, it's all very, like, I like watching. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's so crazily different. Yeah. Which means, I don't know, maybe I'm just addicted to, like, the personalities now. Yeah. I think on some regard, though, uh, we do represent kind of the live streaming community, especially in the poker space. Uh, I think the only thing that really separates us from 
like a lot of the poker live streamers out there is that there's six of us and we're not playing cards. Mm-hmm. But the conversation itself, when removed from strategy, is still very similar in nature, right? Like I think back to when I did a lot of streaming, you're kind of shooting the shit about current events. Uh, you're reminiscing about, you know, something will trigger a, a story from the past, be it in your personal life or mm. in uh, the poker sphere. Yeah. And it is a lot of that dance. I just don't know that that is enough. Like, I think that, I think now that we've established that we can do 100 episodes and we're in line to do 100 more, I think that the target should be to, uh, not necessarily grow beyond this community, but grow with inside of it at least, right? Yeah. Um, I think we can do a better job of structure. Obviously, I think we can still do some things to tweak uh, the set and um, the, the quality that we put out. But I think more importantly, uh, we do kind of have to interweave more poker uh, and maybe a little less personal on the regular, right? So like when we don't have anything to talk about, we don't defer to poker. We defer to whatever's going on in our individual lives for the day. And that's fine. But I think, and Melissa, you can kind of speak to this a little bit yourself. Uh, I think the more that we do that, the more we leave ourselves kind of vulnerable to uh, overreactions. Well, or- yeah, I think especially <laughs> as the podcast has gone on, I'm way more like comfortable and I kind of forget the cameras there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm just talking to you guys like how I would talk normally and then i forget that like i'm not the most pc individual and all my friends know that but love me anyway but not the whole world is gonna love me anyway so it's sort of uh you know maybe i could be a little more careful sometimes but uh i don't really care yeah (laughs) Yeah, you also don't want to be too careful right because then you just like i would prefer to be comfortable and just be myself exactly you don't want to lose your personality it it is really interesting like how much we as a collective have gotten better when it comes to like not necessarily performing is the wrong word but like being comfortable in the terms of like talking about stuff Mm -hmm. like filling the chair appropriately because i remember like episodes one through five or whatever like i didn't say a word i know about you (laughs) Honestly, I don't really know what's changed, but I don't, I don't sweat anymore. Well, yeah, like, you, get ner- you get nervous when you're first starting yeah. to talk in front of a camera. No, like, That's plus the whole real. light thing. I'd be like, oh, it's the light. Like, I'm sweating. Like, like how am I sweating? Oh, yeah, you I used sweating? to sweat a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I think I was just like... You were just nervous. I was probably just like super nervous. A bunch of other stuff. Like, who, who really knows? Like, how... It was still hot, but not really. Like, I don't have the same kind of... I'm not sweating anymore. Those chairs are unforgivable when it but, comes to the breathing though i sure. sat in that chair one time and i was i was sweating what i would I love done. to see before the These 200th nice. episode is chair upgrades for us i want those chair chairs. upgrades those chairs are nice no well those chairs are fitting for the those for the are set. comfy like if, if you're mm-hmm. not gonna get a living room lounge yes room behind we're gonna desk. turn this into a little lounge like den we're gonna have a little mm-hmm. fireplace i think that we get to do whatever we want in this, this corner, is our corner as it is our corner yeah we're gonna and get you, rid of these newscaster desks we're I'm, gonna get two lounge chairs yeah, a little fire the, pit <laughs> we're gonna have like lawn gnomes we, we i'll tell like, you this we I'm, actually look I'm like junior news reporters yeah we do i'm open to it but we'll discuss uh, on that, we're going to take a five-minute break and bring in our special guest. Uh, we're going to leave you with a hand from Poker Out Loud Season 6, I believe. Go ahead, Guapo. Uh, our hand could do a small amount of 3-betting for sure. 
And it's pretty tough though. And inflating the pot with an offsuit combination of Broadway's feels a little bit worse, so we're just gonna call. Okay, he's checking range. It's a board that has a decent amount of draws. You might even defend like a little bit too wide. It's either like a bigger, better check spot. He's pretty covered on queens. With a club, I'd be like a lot happier to bet. I'll just check back and like have some board coverage on like over cards to where I'm not just like underprotected. Obviously quite relieved to see a check back as we were going to have a very close decision if we faced a small bet, uh, given that we don't have a club in our hand. King Jack with the King of Clubs would be a pretty natural check or check raise. Um, without it though, I think it would have been a very thin check call. Uh, on the turn nine, we can't check call our hand, it's too weak, uh, but we do need to see a river. Uh, I don't really think we get the big bet with these types of candidates as we have zero blocking power over seven, eight. And uh, we also block Landon's call folds in Jack-10, uh, which isn't really great, King-10 as well. So in situations like this, uh, where it's clear that we are gonna have to see a river and would like to set our own price, oftentimes we're just gonna lead on a slightly smaller bet sizing. Uh, something in the neighborhood of 33 to 40% pot usually functions pretty well. We could put our strongest hand, like seven, eight of clubs in this range, uh, as well as sets and uh, we can fit hands like King-10, King-Jack, Jack-10 in this range as well as uh, some one-pair hands like Queen-Jack, Queen-10. Uh, our best hands like 7-8 no-clubs, Queen-9, and if we ever have pocket nines, would probably be fit into a much larger sizing, something in the neighborhood of pot to pot a quarter. Uh, so with that said, $35 in the pot, we are gonna be looking at yeah, let's go 15. So he chooses a smaller size, like it's not small, but it's like half pot. I think sizing wise should be a little bit bigger. Wants to like wrap queen X, has some nine X maybe. My hand doesn't really want to raise very much because I'm getting a pretty good price to draw to an overcard. Jack's obviously like the nuts. But I don't think we cooler any of his top end value when he chooses the size. It's just more likely to be like a one pair hand. So I think he's a bit weaker than he should be, but we still just have a call, but we'll sort of see what happens. Okay, so on almost all rivers, we were gonna be betting somewhere in the neighborhood of 75% pot. Um, we just have a really good bluffing candidate as we wrap around the queen, which is gonna be the vast majority of Landon's bluff catchers. The rest being hands that contain an eight or a seven. So he would be looking to bluff catch hands like nine, eight, nine, seven, six, seven. Uh, so his ace, six, ace, five, ace, nines wouldn't really perform all that well. Uh, so yeah, we were gonna go like three quarters pot. The 10 changes things a lot because now the nuts are King Jack, which we actually possess. Um, so now Landon's bluff catchers are gonna have to be a lot more Jack heavy. Um, so he'll want to be leaning on 
Jack-10, Queen-Jack, Jack-9, and I suppose some hands that block the eight, so maybe like 10-8, no club, uh, Queen-8, no club if he has it. It's a little bit peculiar for us because our bluffs aren't really that intuitive any longer. Jack-8 made its hand, so did King-Jack, which were two of our most prominent bluffs on the turn. Um, we have some two-pair combos in like Queen-9, Queen-10, but Queen-9 would have sized up on the turn, so that's pretty much ruled out. So we do have Queen-10 now, and perhaps like some low sets like fives or sixes, but now they don't really get the opportunity to go big on the river. So basically we find ourselves in a situation where I think we would just want to like kind of scramble Landon's brain a little bit when he has a hand that versus a larger size would be a clear bluff catch. So if he has a hand like Jack-10, Jack-9 uh, versus like 80 to 100% pot, those are probably going to be some of his better bluff catches, Queen-Jack, etc. Um, but if we choose something like 40% pot, I think perhaps we'll face some raises uh, from hands like maybe Ace-Jack of Clubs if he has them, uh, potentially some two-pair combos, though I think he's probably too disciplined for that. Uh, we could see some raising take place from more of his 8x range, as now it probably doesn't bluff catch quite as well since I could be getting thin with a 10. Uh, so with 65 in the pot, we're looking at a bet size of 25. Who's bets 25? Uh, yeah, just have a bluff catcher, probably gonna win. Raising is too thin, so I'm just gonna call and win. You're fucking nuts? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know Chin better than All right. I know you guys. <laughs> you guys caught a little bit of the behind the scenes. <laughs> Welcome our esteemed guest. He's been begging for the night show of, <laughs> of Only Friends. You got it last week, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was us as unhinged as it gets. I love it. Really you know, missed an opportunity my... to get you. Are you going to say his name? That's my oh, name. He, everyone knows his name. <laughs> well, we're supposed to clap when you say his okay, name. Okay, fine. Ali Najat. Wow. Look at that. We got you a lower third. That was tepid. We're oh, professional. Wow. We're <laughs> professional here, okay? All right. Uh, what's up, man? How's life? Not much, man. Uh, it's good. I mean, excited. Uh, actually, you know, one of your team members is going to be out in Cyprus with me working on uh, Triton coming up pretty soon. Full-blown festival stop. Juiced about that. Uh, getting ravaged in the stock market. Like, really, really learning what the diameter of my... I know no hole is like uh, oh, wow. it's yeah it's been uh, it's been big red candles diameter? right in my deuce chute. <laughs> this has been not fun. Um, I, and what's crazy is I'm I was short, you. dude. You got my face ripped off when I was short, and then I was like, nope, I'm not gonna let them do it to me. Then I got long, and then they just they just they're like, no, we're gonna sell it off now. I can't. I gotta tell you, man, you're you're one you're one phrase in. I already see the Ali Melissa spinoff. Oh yeah, coming. <laughs> I, oh yeah, yeah. You got like, like a little. You're diameter? weird about the butt stuff, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, not weird as the case. You have a be. contest. Yeah. Congrats, by the way. Can I just start by saying I have deep appreciation for what it takes to wake up day in, day out, five days a week, create content. And I marvel at what you guys have done. I'm not just like pandering. I get approached, not like all the time left and right, but people ask like, hey, will you come on my show? And I try to find the like polite way to say no thanks. And from the first time I saw highlights of the show, I was like, that is what poker needed. An unvarnished 
don't take yourself too seriously. It's very much in line with what I try to deliver. Oh, like, you deliver, sir. I mean, yeah, right? <laughs> Can, you know what the weird thing about it is? So first off, yes, props, by the way, you guys deserve every bit of the success. Thank you. And I know it's Thanks, you know man. onward and upward. Appreciate like, And I know what it takes. It takes a village. It takes an army. And there's days where you wake up and you're like, what a grind, man. I don't want to go. I was up all night. I was playing. I got dusted off, whatever. But, you know, you show up. Christian, on the other hand, if you're out there and you're listening, <laughs> wherever the hell you are, we know each other well. What are you doing? You need to be here. This is the hundredth episode. Slacking. I feel like all hands on Absolutely deck. Absolutely right. slacking. Right? He comes back for one episode. He was gone for two months. Came back for one episode. Caused a whole riff of shit, and then, and then just left. took off. Maybe that's his. Like he's decided that's the strat. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Just come in. We've one collectively at decided that that is not the strat. No, it's <laughs> no. just Christian. It's he just... does claim himself to be dark side. He comes in the hoodie, and he's like, yeah, they like dark side chin. <laughs> just not it, man. It's just he doesn't not love it. chin. I love it. That's strong. No, he is he's very affable and it's actually such a problem. He's so hard to lift out whenever he just does this type of shit. But yeah, you gotta you gotta bring him out of the, the yeah, shadows. It's, it's nice. Uh this this carries me into uh, a, a few things that I have here yeah. as notes. Okay. Uh, I'll work backwards since it's been brought up. At what point do you think Showman actually opted out on the bit and just grew to loathe you as a human being. <laughs> right. It's funny. I think it, he vacillates from time to time. We get along famously. We're close, like we're friends off air or whatever. But I do think there are moments where the line does get blurred. Like, and he's like, look, I, I know that this is supposed to be a bit, but really, like, just stop. Like, he just gets so upset. I mean, I think in particular, it's because I lack reverence of any sort. And he's very serious about poker at the highest levels and yeah. his peers. Yeah, and yeah. so if I'm off, you know, talking about somebody getting showered and whatever, and it's like a million dollar buy-in, like Petrangelo and Vivek were in a hand during the London Triton Million. And like, I, I, I wanted to get even with him for always like, telling me that I, you know, I don't take things seriously enough. And he had like a little laugh. And I was like, oh, oh, Nick, no, you, you got to take things more seriously, man. No, 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 this is a, whatever, man. This is the million you got. And of course, we're just stepbrothers, dude. We're really, truly just John C. Riley and Will. I mean, and there me. was, there was no more sincere comment ever made in poker commentary history <laughs> than when Nick, without missing a beat, just goes, shut the fuck up, Ollie. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I got to tell you. So I honestly, it really caught me off guard when he said it. Yeah. Like it was long overdue, of course. Right. But like, I mean, in fact, I think everything I'd done to that point was working toward that moment. But when he said it, I was like, oh my God. Like, okay, I can't get offended or have an ego about it because that's awkward. I can't really admonish him because then that draws attention to it more than I, I'm not sure if we want any. Right. As it turns out, hundreds of thousands of views or whatever later, sure. it is very loved and, and, and popularized, yeah. which I'm not sure what that says about me. But, um, <laughs> but like, I was a little bit worried. And even right afterward, I was like, dude, you're going to get us in trouble, which was half joking and half right, like, right. just in case you forgot, like we do have a job. Well, that thought process was abundantly clear as all the viewers were greeted with was a solid 15 seconds of silence. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was laughing. I was right, like kind of, of laughing quietly in the background, nervously, anxiously. But yeah, I mean, it really is like an authentic back and forth. And I, I genuinely feel like that has a lot to do with why. And I'm super thankful for this because Lord knows that when I first came onto the poker scene 15, 20 years ago and was doing commentary, this was not the case. I mean, look no further than two plus two's first right, you know, yeah. post. It was like reviled universally, right? And I know that's a tough crowd. But, I mean, to have caught lightning in the bottle the way that we did in terms of our rapport and our chemistry, and we've known each other a long time, and we played with one another online a lot, um, and kind of have that nice balance of, 
he can really go where he needs to go in terms of strategy as deep as you want him to go, but understands that he doesn't want to have people gloss over. He figures out a nice way to convey the information where he's not trying to prove something to anybody. You know, um, it really is special and he has a unique talent. And I've told him like during the pandemic, I tried desperately to get him to do content with me, like create a podcast, do something. And, you know, I mean, it's tough. Like Nick has a lot of other ambitions. He's, you know, he wants to do boxing commentary. He's really into pool. Obviously on a daily basis, he, he wants to play poker at the highest, most competitive level. And so to make that sort of commitment, because the way that he is, he wants to be a hundred percent about everything yeah. um, was a little bit too much. And uh, he also strikes me as very reserved. Like, I think he does a great job of, of being this cool, calm, collected guy. Who's just, oozing swag yeah but like the audience doesn't ever really get to know him right like he keeps yeah he, he toes that line really well it's like, ivy-esque yeah you're having a good time with showman but you don't really know all that yeah. much about him yeah and i gotta tell you when you start doing a podcast multiple days a week multiple days a month whatever the case may be those walls just have to kind of crumble yeah at some point yeah and it's almost maybe for the better for the betterment of your commentary, for the betterment of the allure of Nick. Yeah, that, the allure, for that, sure. Yeah, that, like that a, access isn't available. Yeah, there's, there's some sort of mysticism about yeah. all that is Nick Shulman. Whereas me, I'm just a complete ape, like a no, total lunatic. <laughs> like there's every, I'm here. There's something I appreciate so much about what you do. And I know that this parallel is not going to be very well received. And a lot of people are going to say that I'm an idiot for saying it. But you break the fourth wall so much. And I, I love that type of humor. Me too. It's why I said, like, I think Jimmy Fallon is good at what oh he does. God. I'm not arguing that he's again. a great comedian. Right. I just think he's good at what he does because yeah. he's willing to, to kind of just be human about it. I felt like giving no fucks was a really nice deal. I, I'm, I marvel at the fact that in the cancel culture era, I don't know if we're kind of leaning out of it at this point, but the more shit that I've done and said that I think was cancel worthy, like the more people were like, oh, I love Ali. Like, he's so funny or whatever. I was like, wait. This is dangerous, like because yeah. obviously I there's know. you don't know where the line is until mm -hmm. you've crossed it. And I feel like there's been a couple of times where I said th some things and I was like, "Oh, I better walk that back," or you know, I kind of regret that. And sometimes on Twitter, somebody will point out that like, "Hey, that was particular." I have a legit whole content. apology set up for the entire third segment of the show. <laughs> I mean, a hundred episodes was enough to make me take a hard look in the mirror and realize, like, "Hey, you're yeah. getting some fucking things wrong, guy." <laughs> like, no, I mean, but listen, just be yourself, right? I, I would much rather. And this applies to everything, just beyond poker, just in general entertainment, right? I've been doing this over half my life, pushing 25, 26 years of being on air. And I would rather watch somebody speak authentically about content or subject matter that I have no interest in than somebody speak inauthentically about something that I'm really into. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, I want to know that the person that I'm watching, the person that I'm, I'm, you know, being, quote, entertained by is that person and not just some avatar, right? Because yeah. yeah. I think... Anybody can pretend, I mean, or maybe that's a talent too, but like, I'm not interested in that, right? Like, I want to know who everybody is. And that's why, like, when sometimes you go off on the rails and tangents, each of you, right, in your own respects, and it's a reflection of who you really are and how you really feel and not what the group think, or maybe I should agree with Matt on this one, or, right. you know, I don't want to be the outlier. I love that because yeah. that's how everybody in their peer group should be. You know I do I find mean? it strange the, the shift that's happening in our overall culture when it comes to content. Like, it's so vast and you have so much access to information that we've never had access to before. But for some reason, the people who are being promoted to the talking heads and the people who are garnering the greatest following, mm. they're not, they're very rarely experts in the field, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you look at like, I always, I always defer to like fitness and nutrition because it's an area that I've studied deeply enough where I yeah. can tell the difference between a snake oil salesman and somebody who knows what they're doing. And there are so many guys out there just peddling, right? So many, 
so many guys out there who have developed some sort of bro science or whatever. I mean, there are plenty of examples. I don't really want to go down that pathway. But then there are other guys like Andrew Huberman, who's a legit neuroscientist. And, you know, this is his passion. This is what he spent right. the majority of his adult life on. One tenth the following. Right. It's just not cool. You no. know, it's like. It's unfortunate. He appeals very much more to like the 30 something to 50 year old. Uh, who's trying to extend life longevity and live a better day-to-day -day and probably has already had some success in their life so they have time carved out and everything. These other guys are just absolutely speaking to kids fresh out of college right. who are a little bit chubby, want to get the girl, you know, want they, they speak so much into like bro culture and counterculture and all these other things that just accumulate clicks. And I wonder like for someone like yourself who's basically been through three decades of this transformation, like how much have you seen poker go through that sort of evolution as well? Because we've I've, come a long way from the yeah, Doyle man. Brunsons of the world. The Doyle Brunsons, the Umberto Brennis. I remember, I remember the moment where it dawned on me that everybody who had the opportunity to be on air on any of the shows that I was doing any sort of commentary on, it felt as though they had premeditated a shtick. Yeah. There was Antonio and Phil Locke, who clearly, I think, had put some time into going, this is a great opportunity. We need to build a brand. We need to have a thing. And, like, they would exercise it every time they went out. Like, with Antonio, doctor this, doctor that. And, you know, with Phil, it was yeah, the, yeah. the crazy stuff. And then that, what happened? They ended up with that I Bet You show, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were one of the first people to sort of, I don't know if you can call it breakout, but spin off, sure. right? And then you had, like, uh, you know, Umberto with the shark. And you had Tony G would get on your bike. And, you know, everybody seemed thirsty to make a splash, to have an impact. Um, and so to see that now kind of evolve into where the younger demographic, far more seasoned, way more informed, I would almost say like a little bit more conscientious in general, like life-wise. I mean, when I was in my 20s, shit, now I'm 44 years old and I don't feel like I'm as mature as some of these, these kids who are out there endeavoring to play poker professionally, you right. know, and for better and for worse. Yeah. Um, and so look, but on the flip side, you know, a little bit of it is more of a challenge to create entertainment because while some people who are deep in the streets can appreciate solvers and talking very deeply about the game and that sort of analysis, the average viewer who's just looking to crack open a beer and escape whatever the rigors of their daily life is for 30 minutes or an hour, that can be mundane. That can be really not something that's, that's pleasant. So I guess like in terms of my job, and I don't know how much I'm directly answering your question, but I have witnessed this evolution and I do feel like it has changed sort of what, you know, the obligation was. I remember when I used to have to explain every single poker term. Now I don't. Right. Now I feel like everybody's smart enough about that. But now I got to bring a little goofiness. I got to bring a little entertainment. I got to bring a little levity. Um, and I appreciate in particular those guys who kind of don't take it personally, who recognize that I'm really trying to build this game for all involved. Um, like Dan Smith in particular has been always great about that. He'll wear some cowboy outfit or whatever. And then Nick and I will make up careers that he has, you know, in <laughs> South Texas. Like, and it's, it's just like, it's fun. You know what I mean? He doesn't take himself too seriously. And, and uh, it's a happy, you know, there's a happy medium to be struck there, I guess. But, but I do in general, going back to your Huberman comment and seeing the amount of exploitation of the thirst that younger audiences have and really the potency of social media and all of the various platforms in which you can stack paper. Now, before it was like, you have to have an agent, you have to have a manager. And there was this, you know, the networks control everything. Now it's like, dude, I don't need you. Right. I'm Mr. Beast. I built my freaking own studio in North Carolina and I'm breaking millions 
of views and millions of dollars on all of the content that I make. And I don't need to answer to anyone. And that's really liberating. And obviously for every Mr. Beast, there's thousands of guys who go out and buy a webcam or something and then they just fail, you know, and that's fine. Of course. But, um, but I, th I do think it would be nice if there was more of a sense of responsibility and not just let me make as much money as I can as quickly as I can in whatever field seems to be hot. Um, because there's a lot of people who are going to listen to whatever it is that you're peddling and, yeah. and it's dangerous. I, I think I mean? that that's the trouble is that uh, I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. But if I want information on something, I Google it, I YouTube it, yeah. right? It's like yeah. you, you do your own due diligence to some degree, but we're not researchers by nature. No, because we're yeah. not vetting most of right. that type 100%, of stuff. 100%, we're you know? just trusting sources. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Very interesting time. That reminds me of something that, uh, you know, Brian can speak to this. We were huge, huge fans. Tell me a little bit about Poker Road and your involvement in oh, that. man. Because I, I think it was it. so far ahead of its time. I think now, Poker Road just, or at least maybe five, ten years ago, whatever, it would have just been the next wave. I think part of why I have so much appreciation for what you guys are doing on the show is because it reminds me of that vibe. Yeah. Seabock, mm -hmm. Gavin, and myself were three very different people. Um, RIP Gavin Smith. Um, and we just were like following the world poker tour on the road. I made more in one weekend working for NBC than I did in an entire year working for poker road. And I worked way harder on poker road than yeah. I did anything I was doing for NBC. But why did I do it? Because I was friends with these guys. I had a blast and I knew that what we were doing was super unique and people appreciated it. So we traveled and I wrote it and I produced it and I hosted it and I answered the forms and I answered the emails and I answered the voicemails and it was a grind, man. But there was nowhere I would have rather been then at Foxwoods on any random night after the event, you know, especially toward the end when a lot of people are busted out and they're just kind of hanging and just getting into all the hijinks. And then the next morning having real time, fresh content to talk, yeah. talk about from the previous evening. Um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I feel like we've lost Landon and Melissa just 100%. because oh, they had this no point, like, poker road. Like, it was, I was, in it a was nappy. so good. I remember I couldn't wait for like the episode to drop and then we just listen to it and just like, it was very informative, but yet it was so funny. And you guys just... We were goofballs. Oh, you, you were goofball, but you guys had that chemistry. Yeah, man. It was such good chemistry. And yeah. it just... I would die laughing every That's time. That's really... I think, honestly, what everything boils down to is the chemistry, right? Like, you got to have people mm -hmm. that you get along with and that you compliment, right? If there's just nothing but homogeny, a bunch of bro culture all yeah. in one room, you just want to roll your eyes and die, right? Mm -hmm. But that one guy needs to be that way, and then you need to have the other person that's not, and then you need to have all the ingredients because then your audience, who invariably should represent a rather broad spectrum of interests and personalities and whatever, will have someone to identify with, right? right? They'll have yeah. their hero, and then they'll have their villain, and... And, you know, it, it balances out nicely. But I really, I appreciate that you brought it up. I mean, it was some of my favorite memories. Um, there were some tough times, obviously. Like, uh, we lost one of our producers, Justin Tronk, at one point, which was while we were here in Las Vegas. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. You didn't know that? Yeah. No. Like, uh, he didn't show up for work, which was super unlike him because he was the OG, like, poker fanatic. He knew everything and consumed all of the content. And it made him invaluable. And he was sort of a... Uh, a part of the show by virtue of like synthesized like can things drops mm -hmm. and stuff that he would do um we made him eat a lampshade one time and then we made him like <laughs> snort strawberry quick like he was just the guy that was down to do anything he yeah. was he was awesome didn't show up for work we were all super worried and then seabock had to go to his apartment and find him like just gone and he was wow. in his 20s he was super young yeah yeah it was yeah. really it was messed up and then we had like this tribute show and i still have it on my laptop like you know every now and again i'll go back and listen to it super just super emotional but but really it was uh 
it was very much reminiscent of what I think you guys have built here and why it is that I think you're as well received as you are, certainly by me. Um, and it seems like everybody who, you know, who's figured out by now that, you know, I, I just don't know. Is there anything else that you guys have ever felt filled this vacuum the way that you guys are doing it? Any other show? I mean, I mean you bring up Poker Road, but before Poker, that, Poker Road that, really strikes a chord with me because mm -hmm. uh, it was so important to that era. Mm. We had no access to behind the scenes back then. Yeah. Video wasn't a thing. Right. Ivy was absolutely beyond reproach. Yep. Uh, even Negreanu, who's like, you know, at this point, probably too approachable. Yeah. Uh, was still just like a, a, a still mystery. So for guys like Brian and I who were in year three of being a pro, right. we had no idea what was going on. And yeah. we were just getting to the point of starting to travel some of these stops. I listened to every episode. I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I waited. Literally. I waited for them to drop. Like mm -hmm. I had an iTunes account strictly for Poker Road. Oh, that's dope. And man. I was just like completely obsessed with it. I loved the decor or uh, the, the back and forth with everybody. Um, you know, it, it was clear that it was a passion project, I think from the start. Yeah. yeah. And the addition of Gavin, who, RIP, like I got to know him a lot better yeah. uh, once I was more developed in my career. Sweetest human being on oh, earth. Oh, yeah. But man, did he play the role. Like, For sure. The yeah. caveman role, the yep. Ooga Boogas. Like, he yeah. was just so good <laughs> yeah. at kind of being that heel and, and taking on the chin and rolling with the punches. Yep. Like, it was so entertaining, man. Because and, he didn't take himself too seriously. I just feel like, you know, you really, I don't know why some people just can't. Just chill and like yeah. not and, and be that. I remember I brought a gastroenterologist on to talk about the <laughs> the the Taco Bell bet. Like there was like you had to eat a hundred dollars yeah, yeah, Taco yeah. Bell yeah. in like three hours or yeah. something. Like we we really like leaned into everything, right. man. And then and then Joe wouldn't cut us in on merchandise when he started selling stuff. <laughs> so Gavin and I created a clandestine operation to create our own merch. And it was called Shirt Road. So I'm like, oh, yeah, shirt road. Road. Yeah. we undercut the sales of yeah, yeah, buying awesome. our shit yep. instead of his. And we're like, dude. And I would do Shirt Road updates. It's like, you can't do Shirt Road updates. It's my show. That's it's wild. Road. You can't plug your thing that I told you you can't do. I'm like, I'm doing it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, it was so unbelievable. We were off uh, the rails, man. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think so much of like what that represented and how Barry like had the vision in place really mm. to grow the community, to he understood Ivy's role in it where it's like, yeah, we want to still keep him, allow him to have that shroud of mystery. But yeah. I just want to give you guys a taste. I want to give you like yeah. a five minute clip of him getting off a private jet, going to gamble yeah. somewhere in the middle of the world. This man, anomaly, this total enigma that nobody knows anything about. Still just to this day. Mill. Kind of. Yeah. Less I, so, but yeah. Less so, I mean, but, we know. just couldn't monetize it, I don't think. I mean, I've right. never had a role in that, but I really do think it was too early because now you mm -hmm, look at, there's yeah. a million ways to make money off of content. There were no, no. monetization look at, Back then, no. Look at some of the stuff that we all watch and that's successful in its field. And you kind of are like, really, man? These dudes are making a lot of money doing this? And you yeah. kind of, I'm not going to name anybody, but I'm like, this is garbage. Yeah. You know, this isn't really good. And it should motivate you to be like, I want to, all right, look, Clearly, if this is making money, then I can come in and I can do it. But it's also a big commitment, as you know. You know, yeah. like I expected to walk in here on some super festive hundredth episode. There's like streamers and balloons and cake. <laughs> you guys all look burnt the fuck out. Let me just tell you right now. Like, ever this is this the last one? Am I just well, like sliding in well, before you wrap it up? Like that conversation was had <laughs> yeah. on Friday. Uh, we, so we had we had last a very, was rough. Right? Yeah, we had a, we had yeah. a really we had a really rough Thursday show, and on Friday. I had caught wind that Christian wasn't going to be here. Conrad had to escape to New York for Lord knows what. Actually, what happened was, okay, so the FBI has been watching, and uh, 
DR Mamacita, who's been an alias in the chat for all this time, was actually an undercover agent. She deported Christian. Conrad, our hood lawyer, had to fly to the DR <laughs> to try to get Christian out of trouble. Yeah. And here we are scrambling, trying to put a show together. I'm sorry. I just paused. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, the FBI is actually in chat rooms on podcasts. Under the alias DR Mamacita. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Chins DR Mamacita. Chins DR Mamacita. Yeah. Jesus, stop. Wow. And, and literally, they will dedicate that much to deporting one person? Yes. Yes. For reasons unknown. Wait. So oh, my know. boy Chin was, was, was an illegal? Well, no, no. Well, he actually, still is an illegal. Actually, <laughs> I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, actually, yeah. I'm running a bit, but he does have the uh, prototypical fake birth certificate. Right. In Was he in Little League, like at 18, like pitching with 13? <laughs> so balls? the story like, he that, tells that's me. That's kind of a DR rite of passage. <laughs> the, the story he tells me is that his mom had to give him a birth certificate that made him a year older so she could put him in daycare. So yes. she could work. Right. Because Which, clearly, I mean, it's not like she was retired. Right. Yeah. So he actually has it in the wrong direction where his birth certificate has him older. So he got fucked in Little League. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. I love it. I mean, look, it holds water. Conrad is the hood lawyer. Self-proclaimed. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. We've, we've went with it. I... Do you want to know the backstory to this? This is hilarious. Uh, I should have brought this up in the early report. So the very first episode we dropped was oh uh, the Did day... Did we delete that episode? We did delete it. We did, right? Oh, the so you have a dumpster fire episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. I well, love it. We have it a couple. couple. We, have a couple. <laughs> we have another one where I dressed up. Uh, I, I got fire. full um, Maybe we can put face those paint on Patreon. from a uh, drag queen. Oh, wow. Uh, but That's strong. Yeah, I like it. I lost a prop. Um, <laughs> but the very first episode was when uh, Gal was indicted by the FBI for like money laundering or whatever. Okay. I, I don't know if you're aware of this. I remember, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. So Conrad, like the machine thing. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Uh, it was video poker or whatever. Right. So Conrad was scouring the internet and he came across this case of California versus someone with Gaul's last name, but a different first name. And he's like certain that this is Gaul. Yeah, he was messaging like all day and night just about it. Just blowing us up over it, right? And I'm just like, wow, this is, this is great. So I tweet out the actual document that he finds and I go, is this legit? And, you know, I was just crowdsourcing twitter they all seem to corroborate it because why wouldn't they they don't know yeah. anything yeah uh so the next day after like digging through i i don't see anything that's insinuating this isn't gall so we run the show but we didn't do it live we did it on tape uh -oh. and we go through this whole thing about how this guy uh actually already had a case against him for like whatever he settled like with the fbi for millions and then they rugged him and it was this fascinating story right we go through this whole thing and conrad's just puffing his chest because you know he discovered he's the hood he lawyer broke the story yeah he broke the whole thing right i get a call from feldman the next day he goes hey uh i saw it because we, we put a little teaser clip out he goes i saw the teaser clip i just want to let you know that isn't gal that's just someone else and i go <laughs> that was Javid. i go what he's like yeah like they're not even related there's what? no correlation whatsoever the yeah so good he's like, oh, he's like yeah. you he's should like, have heard conrad the whole time defending his position oh, like God. hey i told you i was a hood lawyer i didn't confirm it i was yeah. just asking if i, this I, so I, good. I was just doing my due diligence was yeah. him he yeah. didn't do any due diligence he just sucked a dick yeah so shout out to feldman for saving us from ourselves but yeah we had to burn the entire first episode we came out a day later than we thought we would because we had to re-record it it was, it was uh, fantastic. I had, so uh, a group of friends who knew that I was coming on today, one of them chimed in because with regularity, all of the cocktail waitress of late 
uh, cocktail waitresses of late who have been walking into the game at resorts. And I've seen Melissa down there. I know she plays over there from time to time. I've been asking them this question. And so they were all like, ask mm. Melissa this question. So, and I'll pose it to I everybody. Saw the, I saw you this saw this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you saw this or not, no. but it is... What is the maximum amount of limb or number of limbs and or appendages, mm. I'll expand it, sure. okay. that somebody that you're romantically involved with could lose before you were like, mm, you know what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I'm done. I mean, right? uh, like one arm, one leg. <clears throat> right. Like, let's, let's start well. with what I thought was a universally accepted truth, that if all of a sudden tomorrow, like I get, not from you because you don't have any more arms, but somebody sends me a message and says, you know, hey, your girl Melissa lost both arms and both legs in a horrendous accident. Oh, wow. And I'd yeah. be like, you mean my friend Matt? Like, I'd be like, no, like, I'm not, we're done. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like what, I'm just going to forever, when you want to go, well, just pick you I up mean, and put you on the toilet and put you on the bathtub. Yeah. Like, the I mean, it's over, right? are pretty good, though. Their prosthetics are getting good. They can neuro. I'm talking about a quad amputee. Yeah, that's a lot. Stop it's with the lot, prosthetics. You're know. getting good noise. Every time I hear anything other than yes, it's done. I just look at the person. I'm like, just stop. Be honest with it's yourself. A lot. Some people are <laughs> empathetic enough to be a caregiver. Well, it's in Pisces Moon. I was, I'm in Pisces myself. You know. Okay, like I'm super empathetic and sympathetic, but I have an understanding that, like, look, and by the way, don't come at me and be like, oh baby, if I lose all four, get out. Yeah. <laughs> don't come and be like, oh, but I love you so much yeah. and I don't want to leave you. Are you insane? Do you know how little respect I'm going to have for you if you stay with me? I wouldn't That's expect, insane. I wouldn't expect like, them to stay. But yeah, one arm, one leg. Honestly. So you can, so two, so an arm and a leg. Yeah. This is where it starts to feel like KFC. <laughs> wait, wait, where you're like, let me get a drumstick and a Not wing. Not like, uh, like both <laughs> arms or both legs. What? One arm, one leg. Why? What do you mean why? Like, and do you, do you go think? opposites or do you go like yeah. left yeah. and left? Preferably right, because you have to be balanced. Preferably right, balanced. A little bit. right. Yeah. so there is a, a logistical issue here yeah. with balance. <laughs> it would just make bedroom activities very difficult if it was both legs or both arms. I had a homie that hooked I up with a be... girl that had one leg no, and he said it was cool because he was able to turn her over super simply by just grabbing yeah. her foot Come and just cranking it 180. I'm dead serious. You know like those small on a submarine I how you shut the door? Like that, it was that. He was like, I just, and like soon. Okay, I can tell you. That would fuck up her knee really badly. It it's a heel like hook. It. So you can't do it like that. If you don't comply, otherwise <laughs> you're fine. Like, yeah, if you resist, there goes your knee. Uh, so, I mean, I would think with two less legs, it would actually be easier in bed. For, yeah, for you, but it's the guy. Why? No, it's, I'm Just asking why? you. You're a girl. You have a guy. How much is the max? So you're saying, one like, arm, if there's two leg. legs and an arm or two arms and a leg, it's done. Too much. Yeah, because that's weird. Because yeah. then it's just like this you're one saying dangler. if the guy didn't have any It's like a PLO hand where you have three good coordinated yeah. cards, and then there's that deuce. Is it? Is it's it just it, out there? Like you don't need that. Is is one penis equivalent to two appendages? Oh, I think one penis is like, equivalent to. What do you mean? Like four like, appendages. Like yeah. he has both, he has both legs, both arms, but he lost his dick. That's not going to work. Why would that work? Uh, they prosthetic, prosthetics are good these days. Landon, we want to hear from some other people. So if you would just stop for a second and just keep it down, that'd be great. <laughs> you lost me, man. I can't, I can't do You can't numbers. imagine like what the maximum number of limbs a girl could lose. Wait, you were like, I'm done. Wait, wait. This, uh, look, this, this whole question is off the fucking rails and has no business being on, on public air anywhere. But it reminded me of... One of the greatest stories from my college days. Okay, I'm in. Okay. Oh my yes. god. I love college days. Oh, oh no. you know it. Oh, I know it. Oh, I it'll actually segue, segue me into How another question that I have. Oh. No. 
So yeah, we should have did it to him. We should have. You're <laughs> There's right. No amputee action in this story. There is. Oh, okay. <laughs> good. Okay. Oh, there so, is. Uh, one of the initiations that we had in college baseball was when the underclassmen would come up. We had a mammoth of a third baseman. I mean, this guy looked like he grew up on a farm right. and did nothing but eat like whey protein and mm-hmm. throw hay his entire yeah. life. Uh, his name was Chuck, and he was just as crazy as he fucking looked. Okay. So what we would do is we would run this bit where we would sit, like tell all the freshmen, uh, you know, hey, Charlie is really sensitive or really competitive when it comes to his dad. Like he just comes from a lineage of really highly competitive alpha men. That Charlie being Chuck. After. Yeah, okay. Chuck. Uh, so, you know, it'd be funny if you went over there and said that your dad could beat his dad in a one-arm push-up contest. And... <laughs> <laughs> to the underclassmen, you would suggest that Correct. they go do this. And we would egg them on enough to where eventually, like, you know, with a wry smile on their face, they'd go over and they'd be like, hey, Chuck, a dad could kick your dad's ass in a one-arm push-up contest. And Charlie was obviously in on it, and he would just go red, just grabbing bats, like trying to smash aluminum over his knees, like ready to rip these kids' heads off. And they're freaking out, like they're literally shitting themselves, like, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? And eventually they'd come back to the rest of us and would be dying laughing. They'd be like, what? And we'd be like, his dad only has one arm. <laughs> oh my God, that's so wrong. <laughs> dad always had both arms, but like, that's the joke. But he was in on it, so it's yeah, not yeah. like it's actually, but he played the part. Like, he played the part. The, the and, and so like, we, <laughs> we did this. We did this to Lamanna. So, uh, yeah, I come up to Erie, Pennsylvania while he's still in college. And uh, they decide to wait till I'm at the bar you know, six beers deep. Oh, yeah. It's the best time. Yeah, of course, to run this bit on me. Mm. And if you know anything about me, I'm very emotional at times. <laughs> and you should see I, me lose a Badesi pot. I literally sure. wanted to kill Berkey. I wanted to kill all you guys. So my roommate at the time, who he had just met, right, uh, played the role of the son of the dad with with right. one arm. And he goes up to it, and he's he's bordering on blacked out drunk, and he's just like, "Hey, hey, doused." My dad would kick your dad's ass on our push-up contest. So I'm just like loses it on him. And he comes back. He's like, LaManna, like somehow knew he comes back to me in a drunken stupid. He goes, Does his dad have one arm? Does his dad have one arm? Wow, sick read. I knew. I was just like, what? What happened here? Like, why is he flipping on? Then I like clicked and I'm like, oh my god, why would you why would you do that? Why would you make me do that to him? This is fucked up. Deep in the troll streets for you to know his dad had one arm in the bit. Oh, man. Strong. Yeah, it was great. But uh, that. that brings me to a question that I actually yes. have written down here, and okay. it, it comes a little bit from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had this conversation with numerous people, and I need to get to the bottom of it from the horse's mouth. Okay, sure. Do you, as a commentator, yeah. initiate newbies? Do I initiate newbies? No. Uh-uh. I don't think so. I mean, certainly not with any intention. I've never done that. Okay. Uh, the closest I ever came to, like, because I know you and I work together. Yeah. I remember you were eating chili. And I was thinking to myself, are you going to fart in this booth? <laughs> like, but recently when I was on Triton, Henry Kilbane came in and he was working on it for the first time. And he's young and very like, you know, yeah. motivated. And, and I thought he did fantastic. I mean, Dre was there. Um, and I remember there were some times where it was weird. I, I didn't know if I've watched a lot of nature shows. I didn't know if I was like that. This is the young baboon coming over, trying to like, sure. you know, whatever, smack me on my red ass or something. Right. And I was like, okay. Like he, he tried to needle me or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Henry, <laughs> let's not do that. That's adorable. Did you really think that that was going to work? Like, don't make me just dis- completely dismantle you here on air. Mm-hmm. Like, 
but no, but I, I'm super supportive. In fact, honestly, genuinely think that part of um, the reason that I have been fortunate enough to kind of get where I am, wherever that may be in, in this industry, um, is because I haven't made a habit out of taking anybody. And they've put me with some people from time to time that I'm like, really guys, you want me to do a poker show with this person? Right. The one that comes to mind is when Randall Emmett was on Poker After Dark and they decided <laughs> that putting Lala Kent into the booth with me oh, because man. that would create, you know, viewers or That's subs. unbelievable. And I was like, I remember within the first few minutes, I was like, so, you know, how did you learn poker? Like, when did you get interested in poker? She's like, I'm not interested in poker. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was like, hmm, okay. And I was told in the beginning it would be like 15 or 20 minutes. Like right. Two hours later, she's on her. Two 90, hours? Two hours. With later. Lala? I mean, I don't know if anyone knew she was still in there. Wow. Right, she's like, tweeting. I was just like, whatever. I mean, but the point being that, like, I don't shit on anybody. I don't try to make anybody look bad. I don't no, want to yeah. do anything that, like, is going to make. I, I just. I, nobody likes that. You know what I mean? It feels like bullying a little bit. I've, I've definitely heard it on air, and I've, like, found a deep disdain for it, like, from time to time when so I. So I, I agree with it, all like, of that. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily what I was insinuating, though. No, no, no. I'm just, yeah. Right. So I know is the short answer. Okay. But obviously if I just said no and I was quiet, that would make for a bad show. But okay. So, so my experience and uh, having spoken to a myriad of others who worked with you one or two times, we kind of all had similar experiences. Although my takeaway from it, I think was a little bit different. Uh, I think that you do, and I'm, I'm going to compliment you in the way that you do it, but because I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it does feel a little bit like an initiation. I think you do a really good job of creating a moment that is or has the potential to be awkward but it's safe if that makes sense okay right like you really throw them into the deep end in a way where they can't really drown but in the moment they don't know that yeah like a curveball but it's like you know you're ahead in the count so it's okay yes there were a couple moments where uh i don't recall what was happening but i will definitely let my guard down because your banter tends to to allow that oh, to happen. oh for sure yeah and out of the blue you kind of just like hit me with a backdoor slider where you're just like so on a king five seven two-tone board what does your c-bet range look like in this particular spot and i'm just like are we fucking doing this right now <laughs> I mean, hopefully that's not the only manner in which people experience it. Is that really, they're all like, dude, he asked me the super specific strat question. No, 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 no. It wasn't anything okay. that specific, but like everybody had that shared moment of just like, oh yeah, he was definitely testing my, my rigor as, as a co-commentator. It's really interesting to hear that because I think all of us to a certain degree wonder, because we know how we see ourselves, yeah. right? But I think we all do wonder how do other people perceive us? Yeah. Like, I'd like to believe everyone thinks I'm really friendly and that I'm not a dick and like, I'm not, you know, ever doing anything that would make them look bad or whatever, whether it's on air, off air, you know, whatever. But then you don't really know until, and even like you can't ask someone because there's always still that, well, I'm telling you directly, so I don't want to hurt your feelings or I don't want to say. So to know that these are stories exchanged, Without my involvement, without, you know, and, and this is what the takeaway is, is interesting. I didn't even realize that I have all these stories from back in like 2016, <laughs> but now I can look, I think from Triton, you're like a very loving person, actually. Like you, you take am, care yeah. of people, you, uh, you're, you're really good with newer people or people on the floor, et cetera. But back in like 2016, maybe 2015, what I heard was Ali will test you a couple times and if he thinks you're useless, he'll take over the whole broadcast. <laughs> That's what I heard. Interesting. Huh. I, I, too, heard that. And whether any of this is true or not, I totally walked away <laughs> with this, like, proud sense of achievement 
where like after the broadcast was over i just remember us like exchanging a, a few pleasantries where you're just like yeah good job like i can't believe this was your first time doing the world series whatever and i was just like i fucking passed that's like, so funny. I, I passed you know i don't see myself in any way shape or form as an intimidating figure but i think now like trying to put myself into the shoes of somebody who's never done it before coming in and seeing like oh this guy's done everything for so long and you know maybe he's an important or influential person and what he thinks of me is going to carry weight or whatever like i guess i can appreciate that perception but i definitely want to go on record as saying there is no intent whatsoever by me like i try yeah and it's tough from time to time to not put a bunch of ego into it yeah. like I know, look, I know how I stack up, right? I have an objective appreciation for whatever it is that I bring to the table and whatever talent I have for broadcasting or poker beyond whatever. Um, but I don't ever want to like uh, have a vibe of like, you know, kneel before me, I am Xerxes. I don't, I don't <laughs> you know think that's I mean? the takeaway. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. even think it's a negative to be quite honest, like, especially coming from a sports background. Like this yeah. is just commonplace, right? You, you make the rookies earn their stripes. They don't just get to come of, and they sure. get their shine. I could see that, yeah. Um, but also I think that like, uh, you know, at, at that point, that was the biggest stage I'd ever worked on. I think when you and I worked together, it was like day three of the main event. Mm. Uh, and prior to that, every other situation that I'd been in, which was very few, I maybe had only done 10 to 15 hours of commentary ever in my life at that point. Uh, it was a lot of hand-holding, right? Tuckman's really great about like bringing people along in a mm -hmm. way that uh, he, he's just, he treats commentary more like an interview, I think, right? And so like, he treats his co-commentator as the guest almost. Uh, for better or for worse. Uh, I think there are obviously different styles. So you get a lot of hand-holding that way. I think for like you and Lon specifically, you guys are kind of gatekeepers to the upper echelon of commentary. And when you're in that co-commentary position, you know that what you're about to uh, do analysis on is a big fucking deal. Sure. And I think the difference is that Lon is, uh, he's just, I don't want to sound reductive, not just, but he's the voice of the WSOP, mm -hmm. but not in a strategic way. You have chops, right? Like you I've have a learned. background in I, poker. Listen, I have chops because I've sat next to guys like you and Nick and people who really have put the time in the work can. in. You know what I mean? Like I, think about it just by <laughs> osmosis, the opportunity, I didn't catch whatever it was. I'm you sure said it was Lala. I said Lala Ken. Oh, Lala Ken, yes. Um, <laughs> you didn't ask her about her C bending yeah, frequencies. She's like, she's like, what, C cup? Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I definitely have benefited tremendously. I think, you know, not that we're talking about double board Omaha high or Bedusa, right? but yeah. like just in general poker concepts that I don't think I ever would have been exposed to because I just am not going to dive into it that deep as a non-tournament player. Um, I've had the ability to like pick the foremost minds. I just did commentary with Jason Kuhn for Triton and I've worked with Daniel and I've worked with um, Nick and, and a whole host of others. And it's kind of cool because when you work with not just one person and you work with a whole bunch of different people, you do see that there's varying opinions. There's a little, there's not, a, there's some group think there's some core fundamental, but then everybody decorates the house a little bit differently. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's benefited me tremendously. And in moments where like, unfortunately from time to time, because of like the nature of a rotation, I'll get paired with somebody who I feel like is more supposed to be in the play-by-play -play lane than the an analyst lane. Mm. And so there's some redundancy there. And so I know that I have to call upon that in order to maybe infuse a little bit more of what would be the analytical side. And I don't feel particularly qualified. If I'm not out there playing the game, right, as a tournament player, then what am I really doing? But I know, like, look, I, I do understand certain concepts and I have learned them from, from being beside these guys. And I feel super lucky. And a lot of people are like, dude, why don't you play No Limit? Why don't you play tournaments? And I'm like, look, 
when I play poker as my exclusive source, source of income in my twenties, it was stressful and it was a lot easier than it is now. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I, I like just being able to play a mixed game, a bunch of carnival games. There's not solvers on all of them. The dudes that we're playing with are mostly Rex. There's some pros. Actually one day the, I looked around the table, we tallied it up. There was 14 bracelets sitting in my game yeah. and they're like regs and okay the bracelet is not the end all determinant of if somebody's a great player or not but it's a okay barometer yeah. you know what i mean and i realized like look as long as you are a positive social contributor to the climate and like get that like we're all here to have fun and like you're not trying to be a killer or a shark at least ostensibly you know what i mean with the headphones and the sunglasses and the hoodies we always talk about that like creating that bad vibe um then you're welcome to come play you know what i mean even if you're going to beat the game like it's okay um, and we've only ever had to like keep one or two people from from coming around and, sure. and playing, but uh, but yeah, man, I like I, I just want to play for fun. And I, honestly, going back to that fun concept, like if anybody walks up to me and I hate this happens so much, dude, I love your commentary on high stakes poker. I'm like, it's the one show, the one dude that I've never worked on. But I just smile and say thanks. You know what I mean? Because I know whatever they yeah. they've heard me, they, they don't really know together. what the name yeah. of the show, yeah. whatever. Exactly. But. All I want would be real like, insulting love... if they said, I love you on No Gamble, No Future. Oh my God. <laughs> they're like, what? That's Jeff Platt. No, I like those guys. And what they're doing is cool. But, but the point that I want to make about when people come up and they say, I like your commentary, the only thing I ever ask, and even like other guys who are our peers who are pros or whatever, and they're like, oh yeah, good job on this. I'm like, did you laugh? Yeah. Right? Even if Bonomo came up and said, I thought you did a good job, which clearly he would be analyzing not from like an entertainment standpoint, I think, but more from like a, you talked about the poker properly because that's where his, his lane is. I would be like, did you laugh? That's yeah. all I care about. Because right now, think about how competitive the landscape is. We don't even have remotely mm -hmm. close to enough bandwidth right. to consume the infinite amount of content that is out there right now. Before it was like, you could watch the shows that everybody was talking about in the zeitgeist. Now you have Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and network TV and Twitch and YouTube. And it's like, you just are never gonna be able to see it all, right? So if you give me the humble privilege of being your choice for entertainment, I better freaking deliver. That's how I feel about it. And if you're gonna pay 10 bucks a month, right? Or whatever it is, promo code, I don't know what it boils down to, yearly sub. But if you're paying anything to watch me do a thing that I enjoy and that I like, really have fun doing and feel super lucky to get paid to do, then I just want to make sure I'm doing right by you. Yeah. And, and for me, the barometer for right by you is making you laugh, man. Because life's a grind for a lot of people This day past to day. summer, you know? Oh. You guys killed it. Killed it. Yeah, yeah, dude, it was Absolutely amazing, right? It. Like, yeah, yeah. it was good this summer. Uh, next level. I mean, you guys have always had a good rapport where it's been funny, but like this summer was unfucking hinged. I love it. I, love I, it, man. I mean, yeah, it was there. Were, I found myself watching for the commentary, and I think that is a huge note for you guys to like mm -hmm. really hang your hat on. Yeah, where it's just like, come on, man! Like people are tuning into the World Series of Poker for the Main fucking event. commentary. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Like that's that's it. That makes me super happy, man. Honestly, and especially makes me happy because as a content creator yourself, and as somebody who's a pro, and as somebody who has been around long enough to kind of have a proper framework to reference, like where do you lie in the continuum? Yeah. Like that's high praise. And it, and it makes me very happy. Like I just, this year I could feel it. I, I you know, the night shift was a happy accident. I kind of just brought it up to yeah. kind of tilt Nick because he didn't want me to do it. <laughs> and at one point I called him the needle to my happy balloon. Like, <laughs> right? like not this year, but in the beginning. And then like I tweeted the peanut butter and the jelly with the two headsets on it yep. and us in the background. Like it was all just, you know, cause the bits like, you guys were not running. 
He's yeah, like, like even the bit you guys are running pre-production or like pre-show yeah. where he's like filming you coming through the door. Oh yeah, his yeah. annoyance with that, even if he's just leaning into the bit, is just so good. Oh, I was oh, yeah. so squid gamed out last World Series. I was so <laughs> juiced about the whole thing, and he was just like, "Dude, stop with the squid game." But of course, look, he loves it too, right? Yeah, yeah, he course, he yeah. fronts like he hates it, but yeah. to have a guy who's enough of a lunatic to go and buy some bootleg made in China lead painted. Squid Game costume and walk into the booth and like end up with mesothelioma as a result or whatever. I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, he just, because I don't think he would go there, but he likes that I'm willing to go there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you putting on drag makeup, like, I don't know, maybe some of the Sorry. guys here wouldn't do it, but they love that somebody's on the team that would do yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's fun. Yeah, you know I what I mean? It's like, it's harmless. and you need that, yeah. man. Yeah, it's harmless for sure. Uh, I guess this will be the last thing I'll ask uh, sure, according sure. to commentary. Uh, do you have a short list of like bloopers or things that haven't made air? Things that just either you went off the rails or you witnessed something off the rails, something where the producers were just in their ear going, guys, we got, we got to take that one out. Um, I don't, I was surprised that I got blowback for suggesting that strippers should tattoo like a uh, payment app QR codes <laughs> on them. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. I'm like, I know. It's kind of ingenious, to be honest. I know, like, how far out there I can be. So when sometimes they come in zero in on something that I'm like, that's relatively benign and a good idea. Yeah. Like, it's a boot. <laughs> like, that, that one threw me off. There's one thing, like, I have this reputation for having horrible punctuality when it comes to being on air. And, like, I almost think subconsciously I'm gamifying it at this point to see how close I'm with you, man. to when the show actually yeah. starts. Can I get there? I have this producer, Dan, shout out Dan. I don't know if he's going to be listening to this or not, but he is one of the most consummate professionals, super immaculately prepared. Like he was brought up under the tutelage of a guy that executive produced the Super Bowl. Like he is a pro's pro in terms of produce, production, right? And I am like this, just this lunatic. And so I know for him, his way would be to show up an hour before every stream and like look over everything and like, you know, pour over it. But I remember one show I came in, I'm not exaggerating. I was running down. This is when we were at Aria, the escalator to Omnia. I was every third escalator step on the down. I was like <laughs> super Mario all the way down <laughs> panting. Okay. As the show open was coming to a close and I was supposed to open the show. I think it was nine seconds before we went to air wow. that I popped into the booth. And the crazy part is they didn't have a backup plan mm. because they just kind of know I'll show up. And it reminds me of Gavin because it didn't matter with poker road. I could have known Gavin was like asleep snoring behind a dumpster at a casino <laughs> at seven 30 in the morning that day. But if we were on air at 10, he would just be there and yeah, it yeah. just didn't matter. Nothing mattered. He, sometimes he would have not slept. Sometimes he would have been asleep for 30 hours before that, but he would just be there. And so I like, I like to think that I'm old faithful in that respect. Like I'll be on and I'll be doing the show. Um, that's a little bit of a like peer back, peel back the curtain, but in terms of bloopers, man, it's tough. Most things that you would think would be like, Oh, that would never make air. They make air. Yeah. Like I just, I called an amputee who only had a left arm righty, dude. Like, I mean, I was like, you call the fat guy tiny. So by that same logic, Nick, and it's so good because when I have these moments that I, I know they're like in my little processing center, then I'm like, Ali, you know better. Like, you probably shouldn't. And then I just, it starts to take the elevator up toward my vocal cords. It doesn't really stop in my brain all that often. And then like, Nick knows the look on my face. 
that impish, I'm going to do it. And he has a look in turn that he gives me where he's like, <laughs> like sometimes he'll even mouth it. Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, shouldn't, shouldn't we call him righty? And then, and then he's dead and I'm dead. And then Twitter's lighting up and I'm apologizing to the Diaz family. But it was funny. Like, I don't know. And it's the night shift. Uh, so it's like, it wouldn't necessarily play with Lawn Norm and Jamie. Right. But like, I really don't care. So right, right, yeah. it's fine. I mean, I do. Don't get me wrong. I do deeply care. I want to entertain people. I want to make a good product. Sure. But like, I don't care about like, whatever. If there's a misstep or, you know, I think the funniest stuff is bound to like maybe offend yeah. someone. Like, what, what about from like the actual coverage standpoint? Like, do anybody, does anybody like ever get unruly on? I mean, you've done so many broadcast uh anybody like who i've been in the booth with no 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 like the players that you're watching they're mic'd up um what my favorite memory was when billy baxter was on a dolly's game and he took a phone call and he didn't understand that simply stepping eight feet back behind the table <laughs> would not cancel your audio and so and billy's another favorite of nick and i to like get into an accent and just like go down some fictitious you know narrative yeah. about his backstory or whatever and and Billy is like, hello? Mm-hmm. All right. That's 50,000 on Houston plus three. But. And, and hung up and walked back to the table. And I was looking at Nick like, I'm fairly certain we just listened to the commission of a felony. Like, I, I know it doesn't feel that bad, but like, that's bad. And then, right. as an immediately following tonight's broadcast, our newest show, Billy Baxter's Phone Calls, like, <laughs> it's a pilot. Let's see what we get. Like, that was, yeah, yeah, that was a moment where I was like, okay, this is a little bit dicey. But I don't know, man. It's tough to like single a whole lot of things out. I've done so much of it, it's yeah. evolved so much. I mean, I mean that's it's a not good a cop out, but that one was, yeah, that one was pretty good. Very wholesome. Wholesome. Yeah. Of. You know, <laughs> I took a 50K bet on the Rockets. Like, okay. Right. I called me up and booked it. Like, okay. He told right. the story. I don't remember if he told it on air or not. Like, this. I know you want to get. No, no, but, no. Um, I'll keep you as long I as you there was a. I think there was a moment where, you know, I, I, I think it's fairly well known that, that Billy has a, a special needs child. And he was talking about it at the poker table, apparently. Nick was there. And, and Billy telling everyone that you know as as he had been dealing with some phone calls or some stuff was going on or whatever and he was you know if i ever end up like my boy i want you to take me to the top of the hoover dam and push me right off like, i was like holy shit Nick is just like dead like telling me the story and i'm like damn man that's on it going back to the limbs thing melissa like what it was two you said one left yeah. one right and that's one, balanced. One arm, one no leg. one else really weighed in. Landon, have you said anything? Are you here? Landon, is that you? I'm, uh, I'm out. You, so you don't <laughs> want to go on record is what the maximum number of, just in case you fall in love with an amputee and then she holds you to it or what? Like, <laughs> or somebody loses something? Or? No, I just don't think love is real. You don't think love is, oh, so it's from extreme apathy, not yeah. some weird virtue. He's so thing. full of shit. Yeah. Ali, he, he would marry a girl tomorrow that required him to wipe her ass for the rest of her life. Like he, this man. Are you lonely, Landon? No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. It's not a desperation <laughs> thing. This man is all heart, top to bottom. You're super softy. If if he if he cared about someone, he would go above and beyond. Don't let him Landon, play the apathy card. Landon, who hurt you? Ellie, <laughs> I left him for who? Who hurt Landon? I left him for a month and a half, and he's still not angry at me, but. It still really? hurts. Is there abandonment stuff? Let's, let's get into it. Landon, what? I mean, <laughs> maybe for our 100th episode, the takeaway should be we fixed Landon. Yeah. 
Are you broken, Landon? No, he's not broken. <laughs> there's no there's no fixing going on today. <laughs> there's no fixing you, but you're not broken. Not That's not true. The gym will fix you. <clears throat> the gym. I've heard the gym is a good way to get the evil. There's some evil in this room. <laughs> <laughs> in this room. <laughs> are you like the recipient of the evil, or are you the possessor of the evil? Sometimes we're all the recipient. What? When did you become a philosopher? <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, Lana, it was a Got simple question. a lot of time to think over here, Ali. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> freaking Jesus. What? Like, Landon doesn't like me. You want to switch seats? Let me go over and sit where you're at. You come over here. We need a couch. And That's we'll the make problem. a thing. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to invoice you for this. How much people, I pay 200 an hour to talk to somebody. And half the time, I'm like, dude, I'm better at this than you. Uh, like, <laughs> that, that seems to have some, some narcissistic undertone there. Have you guys experienced this? I'm like, actually, yeah. commandeering. Sorry. Tell me to shut up and get off the show. No, no. But when I moved to Vegas, one of my first things I noticed was everybody who is tasked with being a professional in some capacity, whether it's a lawyer or a real estate agent, those two in particular. Um, but just anything. I'm like, you would get eaten alive in like a real market oh, yeah. for what you do. If you were in New York or San Francisco or LA and you tried to like be this contractor or this lawyer or this real estate agent, you would get shit on. Like, mm -hmm. seriously, I, I paid a lawyer to write something for me and she sent it to me and I was like, honestly, this is embarrassing. I can't send this. I can't have you send this. Here's your check, but like, honestly, never work for me again. This yeah, yeah, is no, no, no. bad. Like, did you, so have you got, you've experienced uh, I mean, I just know friends who've gotten phenomenon? into real estate that I thought, like I knew them prior to their job. And you're like, you're dumb. And I just know they're incompetent. Yeah. Like just to yeah. top to bottom, I wouldn't trust yeah. them with my dog for an hour and a half yeah let alone buying a million dollar home yeah and then i see them posting on social media every day like closing costs are going down it's like yeah because you suck at what you do yeah exactly <laughs> two and a half percent now yeah because i shouldn't even be giving you that right yeah, like they yeah. really don't do anything that is one of the more parasitic industries it's like, wild it's like so ex stripper bad. can't do it's that so anymore I mean, i'll be a real estate agent because i like dressing up and being What's that? What's they're that? not even there to show the house i open the door and they're like oh are you gonna show us the house i'm like you could pay me and i'll do it <laughs> but i'm not getting three oh, percent you have your license no no no, no i'm, I'm about to get it seeing house. how the competition is okay so you had an experience and then you were like because i told somebody to do that too we yeah. had what was supposed to be one of the top agents in vegas dude was just a nightmare oh, and i was like it's terrible I was like, you could do this. Like yeah, it's, these it's guys one are one of the worst experiences ever. Money. Also, I, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but on Facebook, like for some reason, real like my old friends that become real estate agents, they can't stop fucking talking on Facebook. Oh, the, it's about the same. all the real estate stuff. Uh, yeah, it's the same yeah. as like Fannie Mae or like or not Fannie Mae. Uh, what the hell is that big Mary MLM? Kay. What is it? Mary Kay. Yeah, Mary Kay. Sorry, it's yeah. the same thing as like Mary. The pyramid scheme. People get shit. indoctrinated Herbalized by the MLM, for... and it's just like. Yeah. Also, what they're not telling you, uh, maybe this is less true for real estate, but for sure MLMs, like they're paying a healthy monthly mm -hmm. to be a part of this broken system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're just like, look, man, I'm funneling all this money up to my above guy. Yeah. Somebody better buy some shit. Yeah. Or I'm going broke. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a coffee shop. The other day, there was a sign that just had MLM with a circle and a line through it. <laughs> like, you cannot come here. And, like, I guess somebody must have been preying on people at this coffee Man. shop. Imagine like, you're just the barista. Every day, you have to listen to this fucking pitch. Oh, my God. Right. It'd like be like a guy oils. that comes on a date. Like, you're a server, and the dude brings a different girl every night. Yeah, says yeah. the same crap to the you know, Tinder date or whatever it is, and you're just rolling your eyes. Well, I mean, if it's every night, he's probably not doing too well for himself. Eventually. Or, or, or he's <laughs> doing quite well for himself. We don't Speaking know. Speaking of doing quite well for yourself, right. I'll get you out of here on this. What 
is your passion or obsession with flying private? Oh, I have somebody that plays in my game who is involved in a private aviation company. And so I'm like, first off, I just love travel. So sure. let's just back it up even sure, further. Sure. Like food and travel are my jam for sure. And so he has flights that are being, it's actually pretty gross in terms of the environmental impact of it. Like, never mind, just people flying private is pretty bad for the earth anyway. I'm not, listen, I haven't owned a car that got 20 miles to the gallon in 15 years. So like, let me just preface with that. I'm not exactly doing my part, but these planes fly empty to go pick people up all the time. And yeah. they have some aircraft that are based in LA and that are based in Vegas and I'm back and forth. So um, anytime that they're going somewhere, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I definitely try to make a point of not pretending that I'm paying for any of it. Oh yeah, that, it like, wasn't of that impression okay, at good. all. <laughs> because I do feel like right now, you look at the thirst trap, I don't wanna be a part of that at all. Where people are fronting, like they lead a life or they have all this money and they're so successful mm -hmm. when like a, an infinitesimal quotient of those who try to be influencers actually are getting paid the real money to be influencers. Right, yeah. And what is real money, right? Because if somebody's like, well, I could have made 50K working at Dunkin' Donuts, but now I'm making 50K being a Twitch streamer. Yeah, but 50K like is not going to make Same life for power. you. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's an insatiable beast. You see it. If you stop doing five days a week of this show, like it would be tough because people are going to be like, oh, well, I better go somewhere else. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So now you've opened up this Pandora's box and it is tough because you have a life you want to live and there's days you want to, don't want to come in. These influencers are miserable people, man. They're so <laughs> deeply unhappy. Yeah. But when you look through their feed, you Does think it, it's the greatest thing on earth. They have to put that person on or and, it, won't, it won't work for them. And the worst part about that is very few of them are willing to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. And they're breeding a deep sense of inadequacy in their peer group as they consume not just their feed, but every other feed, which is a human highlight reel. And this is not novel thought. I mean, it's been explored. And now I'm looking at my life like, oh, well, I cried in the shower and I didn't have a regular stool today. Like, <laughs> so how do I measure up to, you know, Tatiana, right. who is like playing with lion cubs in mm -hmm. Dubai? Sure. Like, Tatiana's also well, like peddling something perhaps, but if like, they're in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, Dubai. Have you been hit up by the princess from Dubai yet? In your I haven't. DMs? I'm a little insulted. I mean, we do have this whole bit going on of how much would you need to get paid for a sheik to, or for you to shit on a sheik's chest? Oh, yeah. Really? Like, do you have a number or no? Yeah. What's the number? <laughs> and do um, I have to be a sheik? I talked to my brother about this the other day. Uh, Whoa, time out, pause. You talk to your brother about the number for you to shit on someone's chest? Yeah. Wait, time out, pause. You talk to your brother? <laughs> so, so my number for shitting was 150K and to be shit on was 350K. Wow. Wait, the fact that you're open to getting shit on, we should probably... Landon, we'll put a pin <laughs> in your issues. 350K is pretty good. Um, 350K is a lot of money, yeah. Ali. 350K is a lot of money. Uh, now, to give you a little backstory of this, uh, this was proposed in a hot tub with some hot girls who actually had been propositioned. To they, shit on someone? Yes. And they wanted to know what the number was. And they were throwing out obscene numbers, like a million dollars. Oh, where you're just like, stop it. Yeah. Just stop it. Yeah, they, they were like- You I, shit for free in a porcelain right. They were like, tank. I turned down 50K. I go, that is ludicrous. Yeah. And they go, what's your number? I go, 1,500 maybe? Like- <laughs> Don't care. Yeah, like, yeah. do I have to look him in the eye and jerk yeah, off? Yeah, no, yeah, okay. Right, right, right. So I don't care. And I knew, I knew Melissa 
was a reasonable human being. So I called her into the conversation and just threw out the hypothetical and I go, how much would it cost? And she, without a beat, goes, I don't know, 350 bucks? Yeah, I was joking. I was joking. Wait, whoa, time out. Like, <laughs> but then she found out there was a reasonable and then there's underselling yourself. Like, I don't that's think the I thing, she found out either. there was a market for it and the price went way up. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to. You're just gonna what? Eat gonna, fiber and then come call back, us? Because like... there's no way for me to even speak anyway. Oh, good, good. I don't think that was my number, but uh, it's definitely not my number now. But your number no, really now not. is 150k yeah. to poop on someone. To poop on someone, yeah. yeah. To I be mean, clear, too. But if somebody walks up with a hundred thousand, you're not saying no. That's what, like, I always um, go to this like reverse auction thing. Where yeah, I'm like, I don't know, like. Like if I, I just really, load a check right now for hundred like dollars and was like, "Poop on me, you're if doing." If somebody it. comes up to me and and offers hundred k, then I'll say two hundred. So you can meet at one fifty. Yeah. You sure? What if they offered you hundred k and then you said two hundred and they're like, "Stupid," and then, then walked I'll say, away? Sorry, I'll find just someone just else. Away. There's plenty of princes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. All right. Sorry that you're not rich enough. Oh, wow. the that's emasculation true. angle is a yeah. strong negotiation. She, she's been watching. Yeah. She's been watching the sugar babies. What, have you done it to <laughs> and me? Like, do you know what percent Eastern European you are? Um, zero. Because that comes from that. Like that. That part of the world is my stone zero, kryptonite. But I have like some German. I've got. Have you dated any Eastern European? Uh, one. One. How'd yeah. that go? Great. She's, really? She's wonderful. I mean, she's oh, come actually, on, really great. Awesome. Top to bottom. She's amazing. Yeah. She's actually coming to town tomorrow. Where was she from? Uh, Serbia. I don't know if maybe maybe I, it's more Slavic. Is oh, Serbia I know Slavic? who you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you showed me pictures. She's okay. coming to town tomorrow. Yeah, to celebrate the hundredth episode, or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. hundred and one tomorrow. Hundred and one tomorrow. Is she gonna be on? Are you gonna no. be on? No. Why not? No, absolutely. Not. You should have her talk about her time with you and see if she has yeah, the same takeaway. Yeah, I think it sounds like okay. a great show. That's been Ali Najad, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. A gentleman and a scholar always brings the fire. We really appreciate you coming into the studio. Hey, <laughs> don't be a stranger. No, yeah. man, for sure. I'd be happy again. to come back and have some fun. But I would like to sit between Landon and Melissa, <laughs> and I also would like them to have to put their devices in like a, I, a Faraday I would, cage. I would be Faraday happy cage. to There's... not only facilitate that, but to make that the whole show. Do you know what uh, Amendment 8 is in the Constitution? Yes. No cruel and unusual punishments. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> you think having to sit next to me would be cruel and unusual punishment? More cruel, less unusual. We've just been texting each other. <laughs> what? Yeah, I want to read your text thread then. I like, like this guy's so boring. Why does anyone care what he has? I actually feel like they're in a group chat with Nick right now. They yeah, might be. They it's, reasonably, it's reasonably possible. When, he, when I... It gives me a new appreciation for the... Just take me now. <laughs> oh, that was great. Take me now. Take that was great. That was the latter part of that. Yeah. yeah. That was, and you should try meditating. Oh, man. Yeah. This has you been should. a practice in meditation. Landon, I tilted you? No, because I meditated. <laughs> what? Landon, right. I wasn't even trying. This is too much. Okay. That's We're going to cut the break. Out. We're going to come back for the third hour. Brian is going to pick our five winners for the homeschool giveaway. You got them? And we're going to discuss the future of the podcast. This, uh, this might be it, folks, after this. <laughs> this might Thanks be for having me. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so Thanks, much, Ali. Thanks, Ali. Go ahead, Guapo. All right. It's time to get into a fist fight. K 
King Jack O here is definitely a V-pip in some facet. Given the, well, there's a couple of interesting considerations. First consideration is this is very natural just call for me. However, with Minkin's frequency kind of leaving, kind of the train has, has left. Uh, so it's a spot where I think her VPIP frequency increases. If I thought her VPIP frequency was going to increase through a call, then I kind of like just calling. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna call. Uh, there's a lot of good things that can happen through a call and there's a couple bad things that can happen through a three bet. I can't fold. I flopped top pair. Uh, I'm gonna check, and depending on the action, call or raise. Okay. So this flop's actually really favorable for our range. Um, unfortunately, we're perceived to be pretty wide here, and we actually have a zero equity hand. Uh, though I do have a backdoor straight draw, it's not a very good one, um, and I'm. Certainly not going to get to over-realize this spot, nor am I going to get to barrel people off of really even high cards at this point. I would expect if Christian has hands like queen, jack, king, queen with backdoors, he's going to at the bare minimum float, if not raise some of the time. Uh, so we just have a shutdown. 10-4 deuce with the jack of spade backdoor flush draw here can function a multitude of ways. Uh, the bad thing about this is that Berkey does construct some one of her check raise frequency here. Checking is incentivized in a couple of weird ways in that when I do turn a jack or a king, I have domination against Berkey's range a, a fair portion of the time. The other bad part is that if he does construct a check raise range here, we kind of are forced to resign our equity. And that's, that sucks. So there's conflicting interest in that if I do check back, I, when I turn a jack or a king, uh, I have some domination in terms of, in terms of what Berkey has here sometimes, uh, especially if he's checking hands like queen jack, etc. cetera. Um, the bad part is I get blown off my equity, which is fairly high here. If I had the king of spade, I'd probably lean more towards a check. With the jack of spade, it's probably not strong enough to call through a spade, whereas if I had the king of spade, it is. So clearing up some equity that way is probably very beneficial. So I'm probably just gonna start with a bet here of half pot. So pot is 150, I'm gonna start with 75. 75 is a bet. Um. I think I'm gonna three bet this spot because I don't like Chin's face. Two seventy-five. I don't buy it. I don't buy it just yet. It's weird. I guess like given 
the state in which she's in, she's probably check raising all tens, which is actually kind of good now against this bet. But I think she's just kind of, I don't know. I just don't buy it. I'm just gonna probably call and on a turn, queen, nine, I'll probably just like shove through her bet. And on a jack, king, that's really good for me. She probably has to slow down with like a spade on the turn unless she has it. So my plan is to float here on queen x. I'm going to probably rip through her bet. On jack x, I'm probably still going to rip through her bet. And on a king, because it leads less protection, I'll probably just call call. So if Conrad gives me one of those cards, I will feel really good. I hope. Uh, all right, so let's do it. To be fair, I don't. I just want to say I'm not really sure what her range is, so I might look really dumb. Um, I'm gonna keep betting. Jesus, these are some really, really, really quick bets. I'm not sure. I just have to stick to my plan. Uh, three of diamonds is exactly what I thought Conrad was going to give me. So I'm going to fold. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to our three of the hundredth episode of the Only Friends podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We had a few super chats come through over that past hour. I want to give a shout out to my man, Brandon Shaq Harris. Really appreciate you supporting the pod. Uh, there were a couple others that the disappeared before I had a chance. The real Brandon Shaq Harris? The real. Oh, shit. The real BCH. BSHB. Hi, Brandon. He's something appreciate or other. Appreciate brother. Uh, appreciate you guys coming through. That was the one and only Ali Najad for an unhinged hour, as he promised. He delivered. Man. That guy's got stories. Oh, there's so he much the that he has not, like, he just can't say it on air, surely. Yeah, you there know? was one I was, trying to, I was trying to lead him into, and I think he purposely <laughs> dodged it. And I meant to talk to him about it on break, but you guys were talking about something else and I forgot. Um, but I'm gonna text him about it and he's gonna go, I knew what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what was going on there. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so, uh, Coming back into the third hour, we are going to get into, uh, I, I want to finish what I had started earlier, talking about a little bit of the lessons that I've learned potting for 100 episodes. Uh, we are going to announce the winners of the homeschool giveaway. So five of you are going to get a free uh, admission to our homeschool course. It's roughly 36 hours of game theory study led by six or seven different instructors. Uh, if you haven't yet, please apply uh you could just hit exclamation point contest yeah that's right exclamation point contest it'll give you all the instructions to do so we're gonna announce those names at the end of the show uh so be sure to stick around for that uh and then finally we're gonna talk a little bit about the prospects of the podcast moving forward and what it is that we're trying to do here which Honestly, I mean, it might what just get summed up. What is it you say you do here? <laughs> Great reference. Excellent reference. Um, so let's kick this hour off uh, with picking up on the conversation that we kind of stuck a pin in before Ali came. And that is 
some lessons that I've personally learned hosting a podcast over these hundred episodes with a group of friends. Um, you know, I kind of spoke a little bit about the difficulties of just managing the day to day, understanding how to kind of work a room with six people. Uh, and I spoke a little bit about how it's been so much less structured than I anticipated. Um, and we've gotten a lot better. Uh, the crosstalk itself is very difficult. We're going to solve that problem with, with headphones at some point. Um, but I also think everybody's gotten a lot more mindful of giving each other room to speak uh, and trying not to talk over each other. Trying our, our best. I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you got to drive that point home. But um, one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that if you're on the mic long enough, your character flaws will 100% of the time be exposed. And I think that's kind of a prerequisite to signing up for this sort of gig and uh, moving forward. And it's not really the idea that any of us are flawless by nature or that we are beyond reproach. It's more so that uh, most people get to live a life where that's not exposed to the general population. Um, you know, talking with Ali, we kind of mentioned Poker Road and uh, both the sort of allure of Ivy and Shulman both. Uh, you know, those of us who, like with Nick, know them a little bit more on an individual level, it's, it's a wildly different character and personality than uh, what you get to hear for a few hours a night on commentary. And I think that's a really difficult line to tell. Um, for them, they at least have the action that's taking place. They have the hands to discuss, their strategy to throw around. So they don't actually have to be all that personable and entertaining. Now, Ali and Nick obviously do a fantastic job of taking it above and beyond, where, like I said, I kind of watch just for them, which is a very rare thing. Um, with a podcast, though, it's different. We are the product, right? Like individually and collectively as a group, we are exactly what people are tuning in for, whether it's uh, the information that we can pass along by being tapped into the community, whether it's for uh, the strategy or knowledge that we've acquired throughout years of gameplay uh, on how this game breaks down at a strategic level, or whether it's just to get, a, get to know us a little bit better, get to know, uh, you know, the, the off-the-cuff type stuff that we're willing to discuss and joke about and have fun with each other, we do kind of leave ourselves out on an island to be a bit exposed. And the fact that we do this live also just opens us up to speaking out of pocket, speaking out of turn, uh, sometimes reacting a little bit emotionally. Um, all of this kind of... I, I'm, I'm saying all of this because it's been something I've been thinking about for the last few days pretty seriously. Uh, that was spurned by two individual events that really had nothing to do with one another, but had everything to do with one another. Um, the, not in chronological order, but the, the, the more public of the two was that, uh, are you guys all familiar with who Andrew Tate is? Yeah. Yeah. You guys know who he is? No. Yep. He's the true Top toxic. G. True toxic king. Top G Andrew Tate. Um, yeah. I'd be shocked if you haven't seen him. Uh, who is uh, he? I've heard his name though. Okay. For sure. So... I don't, I don't want to get into his backstory because it's not really important, but basically he created a uh, public persona where he's like... He's a former fighter, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah he, did some, he did some boxing, maybe yeah. some Muay Thai, um, but I don't think he really ever accomplished all that much, at least not wealth-wise. No, 
He won. He was like the world champion kickboxing four four times in a row. Right, right. But it didn't equate to like any level of wealth or no, or, right, no. Or like he, got, he didn't become rich because of kickboxing. Exactly. Right. Well, no, no sports like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's kind of my point. It's like you wouldn't necessarily know him from that. Um, what he did though was create this like what he would consider to be the alpha male persona, where uh, he's just created. He's churned out tons and tons of social media content. Yeah. Uh, basically creating some sort of hierarchy between men and women and yeah. uh just really going on record as saying like uh he believes in gender roles and I- i'm i'm very much downplaying it guapo has yeah, a clip let's go ahead and play it <laughs> it's bad. need therapy you're useless and now who knows where they're gonna go right tried to log in instagram a couple hours ago it wouldn't let me i have good people in the case i trust due process with instagram i'm actually quite understanding of their position i believe that god will prevail the truth will prevail so andrew tate has now been permanently banned from twitter facebook instagram and tiktok that's 5 million followers gone virtually overnight obviously people have mixed opinions about this decision with many calling it censored good all right so uh basically he's been completely deplatformed and i don't necessarily want to get too much into the merit of whether or not uh that's valid i actually think that we could probably save that for tomorrow's show because it's probably a longer conversation but what what i became hyper aware to as i saw this guy gaining popularity and showing up on every one of my social feeds showing up on all of my YouTube pages, wow, in spite of the fact that yourself as your algorithm being misogynistic, <laughs> <laughs> self-reporting, uh, yo, this guy was just literally everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't open a platform without him showing up. If I'm, I didn't see him on any of mine, to be honest. I, you know what? Really? He's, um, if you're, well, I'm sure you are, but like, if if you're in like the crypto space, you're watching crypto um like videos and stuff he'll uh, pop he shows up there a lot i know he like he had an interview with uh with pomp and yeah. um you know a few other things so if you're if you're watching like crypto videos then he, he's very also, likely to pop up probably because you're a woman too and yeah he appeals to males because yeah. yeah. i've i i don't have him pop up all the time but he i've definitely seen that man mm-hmm. it's almost impossible it's and like um what was that guy's name who like kept always showing lambos and stuff like that uh oh man Ty Lopez. Yes, Ty Lopez. Um, it, yeah, so the thing with and, with uh, Andrew Tate clips and stuff is there's a lot of YouTube shorts of clips of like him from interviews, and mm-hmm. it'll show up like if you watch like gaming stuff, if you do right. whatever, because he's done stuff with like XQC, Aiden Ross, like a bunch of like big name Twitch like gaming industry people. So like if you're like younger or like in the gaming, thing, basically like, anything, you'll that, scroll and you'll find it. Basically like, anything that covers a male audience. Yeah. Gaming, sports, crypto. 
poker, like all of this stuff is going to be generally targeted towards men and you're almost certain to run into it. Um, I don't care that much about Andrew Tate and I don't care that he's been deplatformed. Uh, I actually probably haven't given it too much thought as to whether or not that is a valid response or not. Um, what I do care about is how fast he rose in popularity. And that's kind of really what got me thinking a lot deeper about like the responsibilities that we potentially carry whenever we do have a show like this. Um, and what I find to be frightening, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit to Ali, is that this guy is an expert in nearly nothing, right? So he has some sort of fighting background, as best I can tell. And uh, it seems as though he may have grown up in some level of affluence. But that's it. Like, this guy is hardly some sort of Harvard grad with a background in socioeconomics or anything that would ever kind of lend business. himself. What's that? Any kind of business background or... Business or, uh, or psychology or behavioral psychology, anything that would allow him to have such a strong opinion on gender mm -hmm. roles. And uh, basically, like, you know, it's very clear he's targeting young male young males right somewhere between the ages of like 16 and 25 28 whatever that are a little bit lost seeking some sort of guidance and ultimately trying to figure out what it is that they like what what their worth is to the world and he's basically very much a blazarian type who's saying your worth to the world is the ability to provide the ability to uh offer security and wealth and so like you know Here's how to become a pickup artist. Here's how to become stupid rich. And here's how to buy a bunch of toys that women will fawn over, right? And uh, that level of shallow marketing just works and crushes, man. Yeah, but man. he's kind of like a shit coin. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. He's Precisely. like the personification of a shit coin. He's, he is the personification of a shit coin directed towards young males. Yeah. yeah. And what it made me realize is this makes sense. Uh, YouTube wasn't that popular when I was that age. So we didn't... Get, we didn't get bogged down by the, the, the noise, right? It was a lot easier to find signals. Um, and maybe not even, right? Maybe it was just that like the people we aspired to had no platforms. Because like, I looked up to athletes and I didn't know if they were good or bad people because they didn't speak out on anything. Mm -hmm. They just showed up on Sunday, did their job and got accolades for it, right? So I just wanted to follow in those footsteps. But now everybody has a platform. Everybody has social media. Everybody has a following of some sort. And with that comes a different level of responsibility, especially if you are trying to capitalize on it to monetize, right? And, you know, looking at this Andrew Tate thing, it's like, well, I know that even at 40, I'm also still looking for some answers, some ability to improve, to optimize and things like that. And I turn to true experts. I look at a guy like Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist and has a passion for how the body works and optimization. And... He's not selling anything, right? He's just a guy who believes in science and is trying to promote scientific arguments and thoughts. I look at a guy like Sam Harris, who, uh, you know, a, a, lot of his, a lot of his stances I take issue with, or I shouldn't say a lot, but some of his stances I take issue with, but others, uh, I, I defer to him as an expert. In any event, though, the man is a certified genius, right? Like, uh, he can get it wrong, and still have a relatively intelligent take on something, right? He's qualified to at least speak openly what his opinions are, I think, to some degree. Uh, now, maybe he gets disqualified by true experts on the topic that he's speaking about, but I also think that he's pretty quick to walk it back when he gets it wrong. Guys like Andrew Tate are just like these poisonous darts that 
come into uh, a, a certain targeted audience and just absolutely kind of cripple them through promises of riches and spoils uh, through very selfish endeavors that are thoughtless and mindless when it comes to the people that they're truly exploiting. Now, the reason why I think this is parallel to what I kind of want to talk about as far as like what we've learned throughout all of this is I had a very thoughtful friend reach out uh, last week or maybe slightly before, and he had some concerns with uh, a Twitter interaction that I was having uh, that started specifically over uh, sharing a video of a woman going through a transformation and me having some exchange. And it wasn't that thread that he cared about. And rightfully so. I thought that thread was actually you know, pretty reasonable. Uh, two sides disagreed, and it kind of got left at that. But eventually, it started to devolve into something a lot more widespread. So eventually, Bonomo kind of came in, gave his unsolicited uh, thoughts on why it was bad, and the argument reinvigorated. <clears throat> When it was all said and done, I very reactively uh, had just kind of thought that it had gotten to the point of such ridiculous takes where, uh, you know, he was kind of arguing a causal effect between this video and suicide that I wanted other people to see for themselves what was going on in the threat. And I didn't think beyond that at all. It was just literally like... I bet there are people who don't realize the conversation that's taking place here, and I think it'd be meaningful if they did, right? So I quote tweeted. And that in and of itself probably would have been fine. But I messaged it in a way that was very much riling up the troops. And mm -hmm. it wasn't meant to be that way, mm -hmm. but it was a very charged message where uh, I kind of quote tweeted and said, like, this is everything that's wrong with the political climate today. I agree with almost everybody in this thread on big issues. But when you look at what happens when we start to talk at like a, a more nuanced level, I want to distance myself from this level of irrational hysteria. And I was mainly speaking to Bonomo making that correlation between the video and suicide. But understand that there's 10, 15, 20 other people that are tagged in this thread. So what ultimately occurred was something that I didn't really consider, but I acknowledge I absolutely owe an apology for. There was without a doubt, going to be a rallying of the troops, so to speak. And it's very similar to what guys like Andrew Tate and others do with their social clout. They just latch onto an inflammatory idea or a divisive idea of sorts, and they pitch it to the people that they know will support. And then what ends up happening is people come out of the woodwork to back that idea. Now, the problem with that is online culture is just fucking the worst, right? So it's not a it's not a a pleasant an exchange of pleasantries where you know people who support your side come out and say, well, I think what's what, what you're overlooking on your side of the argument is X, Y, or Z, right? No, it's it's like visceral trolls that are just coming out of every corner of the internet to attack whoever it is that you uh, are basically trying to shine a light on. And uh, I think after having this long conversation with my friend and now seeing. Uh, like Andrew Tate's rise and fall, it's becoming abundantly clear to me that I'm not just the random poker player with 3,000 followers any longer who can off the cuff kind of give my opinion on something without putting any thought into the messaging. Like I understand the Gelfon approach so much more now and I never really did because it was always kind of like, well, you know, Phil, you're a leader and a voice in this community. Why, why don't you speak up 
in real time more often. And I kind of get it now. It's because he carries that weight and he understands that level of responsibility. And, you know, I don't want to walk things back. I would much rather be able to stand firmly behind the things that I believe in and the things that I say. But admittedly, I certainly act very, very impulsively, uh, especially if I'm engaged with somebody in some sort of heated debate. Um, And, you know, I think like to Bonomo, Jen Jacobs and everybody else that was in that thread, I definitely owe them some level of an apology uh, because I, even though my intent wasn't for what ultimately happened, I do think that is the end result. And, you know, I think it's easy to kind of just like chalk it up to, well, that's internet culture. But the problem with, the problem with dismissing it and the problem with just kind of like accepting it for what it is, is that it's easy then to gloss over worse uh, actions that are like comparable, right? Like that was a blind spot to me. If he never sends me that email and doesn't like really dig into the nuts and bolts of why I'm wrong, because I pushed back, right? Like initially I pushed back. I'm like, no, 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 you're missing, like you're implying intent where there isn't any. And you're missing the, the whole mechanics of it all. It's like, no, like this was said and I was trying to draw attention to this, that, or the other. And, you know, he very graciously was kind of going through and saying like, look, like you're expecting them to offer you some level of patience and understanding when you're giving none in return. And you're expecting them to decipher 280 characters uh, through how you truly intend to mean it. When there's a lot of nuance to that that's just like not actually being spoken. He's like, we've exchanged multiple emails for hundreds if not thousands of words and we're just getting to the crux of it, right? And I realized like, that's kind of the beauty and the curse of the podcast is we do have this long form now where we can exhaust ideas and really allow people to see who we are uh, as characters and what we stand for and things like that. But there are just like a lot of things that we're gonna say in passing as a joke or uh, in passing in a kind of lighthearted manner that we're not gonna dig into. And it's going to be very off-putting to some subsection of, yeah. of the, the community or the, the viewers <clears throat> watching. Yeah, Twitter's a place where nuance goes to die. Like, you can't have a fully well-educated discussion on a platform like Twitter, because it's, it's kind of not made for that. But when it comes to, like, podcasts and stuff, and we, like, address things and that stuff as well, it's really difficult to convey the entire take that you're trying to have and also try to find a middle ground as well. Because it's not like you're trying to champion for, I'm right, I'm always right, or, I always know what the right answers are. But it's hard to have that back and forth when you only have 280 characters to go off of without actually having any form of, any form of like inflection in, in voice and tone or whatever. Because then some things just become more than they actually are. I, I don't think we also understand the amplification of our voice just yet. Like, yeah. first off, I think the pod has gotten to a place, and maybe I'm speaking way out of turn, where it, it transcends any of us right now. It has to keep going. Like, like it's, it's a major fixture of this poker scene. But I'm going to relate it back to a couple of stories where, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm going to talk about Doug Polk real quick. Doug Polk, I don't think, is a bad person. He means very well with everything that he does. He's trying to grow the poker community. I truly think that's his intent. The videos that he put out and the community has bred, at least back when he was streaming 
next to Jason. Um, the community that he would build was very my side or you're, or you're with me or you're against me. So Doug Polk, his followers would come into our chat and say some of the nastiest things I've ever seen. Well, not ever seen, but of the, on the nasty spectrum, it's really bad to, to Somerville in particular. And I just remember like, man, this guy is such a fucking douchebag. The whole time I was thinking that. And I'll go to watch his content and I'll be annoyed with him because I know, or, or at that time I was like, this guy is like evil. Like he is sicking his community on us all mm -hmm. the time. And then I look back also and nowhere did he ever say that. Nor did he try to do that. But I think he also didn't realize how if he's going to troll and be a professional troll. That's going to come along with it. It's going to come along with that type of right. group. Right. And I think another thing that Doug Polk did so well was his hand histories. Um, with Jordan Peterson and with the, the Tate guy, um, I, I think you, Berkey, are looking for content to solve answers. But with these other people that have grown to be really big, they're not looking for things. They come across things that resonate with their life. And Doug, inside of the poker space, he was just around enough where he come, people will come across poker and they see Doug's videos and things resonate with him. We don't need to know that Doug is going to shit on Phil Helmuth for the, um, the, the, the uh, influencer game. We know what his take is going to be. But we're going to sit through that 22-minute video, however long it is, just to hear him shit on Hel Phil Helmuth because we want Phil Helmuth to deserve it, right? Like, we want to feel that. And we have to recognize, and I I'm not always great at doing it, but we have to recognize that we have the capacity to do the same, and we might have done that very same thing um, in our community. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about was I was going out to a dinner with Todd, and he was like, oh, can I, uh, can I bring a friend out? I was like, sure. So we meet up, and it just so happens to be the head of content for Poker News <laughs> that joins us for dinner. And it was, instead of me talking to Todd, who's, uh, Todd is a, a, one of my very good friends from gaming. Uh, he lives in Germany. He's from France. We don't see each other that often. This is our last meal together. The entire conversation was me explaining that we don't hate poker news. Yeah. You know, that we are allies at the end of the day. And what I find out is that poker news overall thinks that we're in a fight. Like they think we hate them. And it, it couldn't be for anything further from the truth. Mm -hmm. So I definitely have walked away with, we need to be very careful with how we are arguing uh, ideas on this pod because there is unintended consequences that we're, we're yeah I, I think that's largely true i think that um i think it becomes a little bit different at the corporate <laughs> level like if we're gonna i mean we're still customers in this community so like to criticize like a poker go or a poker news or whatever uh i think that that's generally going to be valid um, but I'll give you a pushback in that poker, you know, the poker news guys, yeah, they run very, very, um, grassroots. Yeah. I guess that's the thing though. Is and like, their monetization isn't at all 
what the monetization you are implying on the podcast. No, of course. But like when we talk about <clears throat> Poker Go, Poker News, uh, WSOP, whoever, wh whichever company it is that we're talking about, we're not talking about the boots on the ground reporters. We're not talking sure. about Brent and J Jeff Platt. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the, the people at WSOP that are handling your buy-ins and cash outs for online sure. and stuff like that, right? We're talking about like decisions that are made at the top. And you're right, we could be a lot more clear about that messaging. Um, but I'm much more concerned with at the individual level because I think when I agreed, or when we all agreed to do this, something stuck in the back of my head that I kept repeating over and over again. I thought we did a good job of it, but I'm kind of realizing now that maybe it wasn't as good of a job as I thought. And that was, I never want to be Doug, right? Now we didn't really create any hit pieces. Like he would go out of his way daily, weekly, whatever, to just curate content as much as he possibly could around some sort of narrative that he drew up that was ultimately going to be a hit piece on somebody. And for the most part, in my opinion, I don't think we've done that at all. Uh, I guess you could say that maybe we didn't quite give Rampage or Bunny a fair shake, but uh, I, I would argue otherwise. Plus is like Sklansky. Yes, right, fine. But like, again, oh, yeah, that. that's, that's just got to be deserved, right? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. it wasn't like we were drawing an opinion from other opinions. We were drawing opinions from public record. Uh, so it's, it's not like, yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, I'll stand by that episode uh, for the most part. Like, I agree I wasn't living with that whole crew back then, but like everything we found, I think was pretty well corroborated. Um, what I really realized though, is that when people are in a position to have platforms like this and speak, and uh, again, this, this relates back to the Andrew Tate thing. I think what I'm often noticing is that these guys get through and become such prominent aspects of young man's culture due to the fact that others with platforms that have more ability to lead or more ability to uh, guide the next generation in a more impactful way are either choosing to be incredibly diplomatic so that they don't offend anybody because they're trying to cast the widest net that they possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or uh, they are trying to, uh, trying to just navigate based off of whatever environment it is that they're a byproduct of, which leads to uh, like, I mean, to use a term that Melissa uses a lot, weaponizing incompetence, right? So, it's used once, but in a good, in a good form. Well, I mean, you, you constantly joke about it and bring it back up. Uh, but like this idea of being unaware and not just being okay, right? Like that was kind of my initial pushback was like, I always lean on the idea of intent. It's like, well, my intention was never obviously to, uh, to have anybody get trolled. Yeah. If anything, I was just trying to get eyeballs on the conversation. But if the end result was yeah. that they got trolled, then my intention gets lost, right? And so now I'm effectively weaponizing my incompetence. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, if that's something that you do and then realize through some means or another and apologize, okay, fine, like be better. But when that just becomes your shtick of just constantly like poking the bear, and then just shrugging and saying like, I don't know any better. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's, it, it becomes, it becomes what the next generation like looks to do, I guess. Uh, and I think that, that becomes the challenge because I don't necessarily agree with all of the philosophies and ideologies of either side for, for that matter. Um, but 
I agree with the general spirit of treating other people incredibly well and, uh, you know, creating some sort of cooperative environment where we're all kind of pursuing some level of a greater good. And I think that that often gets lost at the individual level because certain things will make someone a little bit less tolerable to you or make somebody a little bit more um, fight worthy, if you will. And you kind of lose sight of the fact of when it's all stripped away that you're just two people who are kind of on the same side to begin with, you know? Uh, and I think that that's kind of like what's wrapped around this whole idea of like, I never want to be Doug. Because to me, I agree with you. It was never with ill intent, right? Like, I don't think he ever sought out to make people feel badly about themselves. I just don't think he cared, right? And the whole thing was just that it was a very good business tactic. And he knew that. And uh, it, it blew him up, obviously. Like, he capitalized on it. And same thing with Blazarian, right? Like, he is who he is in the social landscape because he found a divisiveness about him that had everybody talking about him. It didn't matter if you loved him or hated him. Everybody was talking about him to the point where he now grew a platform so powerful that others really can't compete. And I think that whenever you get into the, the idea of the content game or the idea of developing a brand within a space or whatever the case may be, you look to those successes and you say to yourself like, okay, what can I take away from that and replicate, but do it in the right sort of way? And it's almost maybe the wrong approach because the answer is kind of nothing if your goal is to do it in the right sort of way. I agree. Right? Because there's a certain consciousness you need to carry forward that had you at least aware that you're not the only person in the room, you're not the only person in the world, and things of that nature. Uh, and I think I've often been guilty of leaning on the fact that like, we have a pretty eclectic group. And if collectively we don't see anything all that wrong with anything that is being discussed or the way the nature in which it's being discussed then it's probably okay but the problem is is that we even though are very different uh from our cultures that we grew up in uh our ethnicities uh male and female everything else along the lines we're also a close-knit group of friends right so there is some level of homogeny there where we have a certain level of tolerance because we know what the uh we we know what like the actual purpose behind it is or we know what each other's intent is and we give the benefit of the doubt in a way that the public just won't. Uh, so I, I yeah, I just felt like that was a really important thing to address um, before we move forward with the next hundred uh, because I don't want to get to a point where we're censoring ourselves. I don't want to get to the point where um, we become jaded by the judgments. Uh, I'm confident we'll still fuck this up. I'm confident that there will still be judgments that take place. And I guess I'm just trying to get to the point where, A, I'm comfortable receiving that level of pushback. And, you know, to that same degree, everybody else in this room kind of like accepts it and uh, just lives with it or tries to make some corrective course of action thereafter. Um, but then secondarily, uh, I don't want to be the guy who is being overly uh, diplomatic so that I don't offend anybody. And I, mean, I definitely don't. Go ahead. Sorry, I don't want no, to cut you off. I think there is so much content in the world today that our job as content creators should be to cultivate our audience. And that doesn't mean pleasing everybody. It means the way that we are and the way, if we are acting authentically, we will draw towards us the audience that resonates with us. 
and there's going to be plenty of people who don't resonate with us and there's going to be content for them out there somewhere too yeah we can't please everybody i agree wholeheartedly with you there the addition i would make to that is i don't want to stunt our growth in the process yeah and i think when you come in day in and day out where literally it's a daily activity for us to scroll through poker twitter figure out what's the hot topic of the day it's a daily activity for us to kind of figure out uh what bigger picture stories are worth talking about i think it becomes so easy for that to be the quote unquote work that you're doing that you actually forget to check in with yourself and mm-hmm. make sure that you still believe in certain ideologies and you still have certain values and virtues that you you want to carry forward and lead with i mean uh i don't regret anything that we've talked about on this podcast over the last 100 episodes but it there have definitely been times where it's like okay these are conversations that i would have late at night with my closest group of friends because we're just on one and it's it's a funny conversation yeah, but to have. that is sort of the nature of today's content yeah it's very raw and unfiltered yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah um which i don't think i've been that way most of my adult life and i'm i feel myself leaning more into but i worry that uh the responsibility that comes with it is probably greater than just turning off the filter you know um not that i think we're headed in the direction of alex jones but uh, like I see it, um, so many people think Joe Rogan is like a terrible human being right now. Yeah. And I, I really do believe that his intent is to make the world a better place. Does he have bad <clears throat> takes? Of course he does. Yeah. But he's trying to make the world a better place. And he uses his platform really terribly sometimes. Yeah. And we're trying to do better than him. But recognize at scale, this shit is going to happen. Yeah, I think this conversation actually, not that I'm in any position to give Joe Rogan advice, but I actually think that this is a conversation that would hit very deeply at home with him because I agree with you. And I think that he stands for a lot of the things that uh, the people who hate him the most also stand for. Uh, The problem is he stopped being objective somewhere along the lines, Yes. right? And he actually started leaning heavily into, I'm going to get a bunch of people that on the surface I don't agree with. And then whenever we're put down to a two-hour conversation, we're going to find a bunch of common ground. And that's going to demonstrate to everybody how we're not all that far apart and the world's not such a divisive place. But it does the exact opposite. It just paints him now as being far more uh, against his own values and virtues than he would otherwise lead on. And, you know, since signing the big deal, he does... I I honestly have stopped listening to him myself. And I listened to maybe half of his episodes over the first, like, five or six years. And it's not because I think that something in me has necessarily changed. It's because I think the quality of his content has gone down. Uh, I, I don't think I'm getting the same objective information that I was getting a lot of the time along the way. Yeah, I think the... Um, or the same experts, at He's least. getting like a lot of pushback from a certain type of human, and he just disagrees very strongly, and now he's just anti that group. So that's something that I think is a separate conversation, but something that I can understand. Uh, what I'm really learning, and I was willfully ignorant to this maybe, um, but there are a lot of strategies to social media that unbeknownst to me, people are really studied in. Uh, like, you know, like utilizing that quote tweet as an example, um, it was kind of like presented as like, this is a form of bullying. And it's a tactic that people use to be divisive. And I'm just like, what do you mean a tactic? Like, 
what are you talking about? You quote tweet because, you know, you have a message and you want people to, you want to amplify something. And it's just like, no, 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 no. Like there are sub, subsections of Twitter that are going around and doing this as a means to divide and conquer effectively. It's just like, yeah, that makes, that makes logical sense. Tell me more. And then there's like more of this stuff where it's like, okay, well, we amplify this way or that way and, and message in a certain way. And, you know, I'm, I'm noticing it more as I see people trying to uh, curate their Twitter for monetization purposes. Um, you know, I love Nick Howard, but like his Twitter strategy is just like fire. the nut low. It's a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a hot mess. And I notice like every day as he keeps the hamster wheel turning and, and keeping the strategy going, it's like, well, I see what you're doing. Like before it was, on, it was blind to me. I, I didn't notice it, right? I was just like, call it, call it nose blind to the stink. But um, now I see it and I see the purpose behind all of this. And it's like, okay, well, this is, probably isn't going to accomplish what you think it will but now i recognize like fuck man like literally almost everybody with a platform on twitter that's tweeting is doing so with the intention to have some sort of outcome and i hadn't been using it that way i treated twitter as like a stream of consciousness i treated it like a blog uh where or like a forum where i could engage with others and you know try to spread ideas that way and i think for because of that like i was also very willing to just like be wrong like just put out sure. ideas there to get scrutinized and then reevaluate kind of thing. Instead, you're seeing it as like a, a place to battle, I see. I no, see. no, no, no. I mean, I think that that takes place, but uh, like now I, like Melissa told me about engagement farming and that was just like so eye-opening to me. I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah. what? That's a thing? Yeah, of course. It's called like, especially on Twitter, like there's things you can What's call What's your like, top five favorite movies? It's like, okay, we see what you're doing. I can't, I didn't see. That's the stupidest oh part. Really? It's called, like, I knew that. And I'm the biggest boomer on this yeah. show. I, I mean, like the, the, <laughs> the top five stuff, the, a thread, right? Like, I just thought well, this was a trendy new thing. The thread thing is like, you're getting muted by me. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Shit, it's called seek tweeting. When you tweet mm -hmm. things, uh, seeking engagement, seeking yeah. things. And it, I, it and works. And so it, many people in poker do this. Yeah. yeah. It's so annoying. The, the, I follow like a couple like um, like Italian American kind of uh, things on Instagram. And they always, they're so good at it because they'll say like, what's the best Italian first name? Right. And then just all through the yeah. comments or like one's good is like do you call it sauce or yeah. gravy yeah, right it's just and it's just like the they know they hit that up. you know what's gonna like trigger the, like you know oh see Italian, i see i i can see that stuff for what it's it just is it's just gamified right. i mean it, yeah. they're just getting the algorithms attention mm -hmm. right i can see that stuff for what it is it's it's the more nuanced subtle stuff where uh it, it's clear somebody's making either a bad take or a divisive take on purpose. For the yeah, sake of I mean, like what Nick Howard's yeah. doing is, is pure engagement farming. Yes. Yeah. He knows yeah, yeah. people will be like, you're crazy, man. And I, it doesn't matter. Cause right. It's like, I clicks. see that for what it is now. But yeah. a year ago, I would have just been like, yo, do you guys see Nick lost his rocker on Twitter? Yeah. yeah. And that would have just been like, I mean, I think there's an element of that too. But sure. yeah. <laughs> You like sure. put like a misspelling in like the uh, like the title the of Kardashians the YouTube. Kardashians do it. Right? They'll, yeah. They'll so people will be like, "You misspelled themselves. this. You misspelled this. You misspelled this." Yeah. Like, like they'll Photoshop themselves like incorrectly. They'll like move a, a weird arm or something because uh -huh. people will talk about it more and then they'll right. get you know. Yeah. More I mean, yeah, it's just how social media works, and uh, uh, you just can't take it like that seriously, so to speak. It doesn't really matter if someone's doing it or not. You have the ability to mute them if you want yeah. or not see it. 
Yeah, right. I, I think just a game. I think I understand. I understand where you're coming from specifically because uh, I do this shit all the time. I'll tweet some stuff on purpose. That's no, just like really dumb. right, right. But but I more so understand because you're coming from a younger a younger age bracket. Yeah, and you guys are indoctrinated into social media pretty much for your entire life. Yeah. So I I do think that there is this like hard divide between people that are like my age and slightly younger. And then people that are in their like mid twenties and younger. Yeah. And for the mid twenties and younger, that's the crowd of, uh, kind of like it's it's a combination of what's the most extreme thing I can do for attention. So like kind of attention seeking. Yeah. And then also very much kind of like the, um, I'm gonna find an idea, a person, a philosophy, something of that nature, and I'm gonna latch to it and amplify it to the. I mean, the I don't think it always has to be that contrived. Like everything you're describing just contrived. feels so like contrived. Like to me, I just want to like be. I want to like put out things that like are me, because then that will attract an audience that is like my people. Like I'm looking for my people. Sure. And that I'm not like trying to like you know, contrive something, you know, and I, f I find that off-putting. Well, you, ca you kind of are, though, right? Like, you're being authentic to yourself, but it is still relatively contrived in the sense that, like, you're curating content that you know will hit with your audience. Well, it's more so I'm just trying to attract my audience and build yeah. my audience. Like, yeah. I, whatever that ends up looking like. Right. But it comes I, from I guess what I'm saying, though, is more from the consumer side. I I'm not specifying this to you. I'm saying, like, uh, the 25 and under crowd, um, there will be some that try to emerge through either authenticity or through extremism where they just like put out wild outlandish stuff and it goes viral, whatever. But more so from the consumer standpoint, I, I think that that's largely going to be the collective that is drawn in by the bright, shiny object, by the Andrew Tates of the world, by the Blazarians of the world. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the female equivalent of this would be. Maybe it would be the Kardashians. I think there's or a difference the when there's Jenner's. an intention behind it, right? Like if someone posts something that's like a meme or something that they find funny and they post it because it's them and it's on brand for them and it's whatever and there's no, there's no hidden agenda or there's no something you're trying to work towards for doing it to like gain an audience and then do something else for. Like, it's funny. Just, yeah, there's just no big deal. Like that's, a, that's what memes and tweet threads are for. Yeah, I feel like, like you're not listening to me. Well, like... I feel like you literally just didn't hear what I said. Well, you're just saying that these things are contrived. No, no, I'm saying... I was saying that what he's describing sounds very contrived, and I don't think that that's how it is across the board. I, I'm, I'm saying people with platforms are certainly contriving strategies, like people who have a large following. Not I, everyone, right? I mean, like, you have a large following, and you're not, address, you're not moving your audience towards a certain way. I mean, I will now that I'm more aware of it. I'll certainly be more conscious of how I tweet, what messaging I put out there. Because I understand that like, this is what Twitter is. It's a platform full of these strategies. Is that and what you want to do? Is that what you think that you have to do in order to gain more it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter because it's not going to change the authenticity of the message. It's just going to change the framing of the message. As you're going to word things differently yeah. or you're going to try to do things to get more The reason engagement. why I'm thought of as the wordy guy is because I wrote the way I speak and without inflection, without context, without proper punctuation, it comes off as somebody who is looking at a thesaurus and trying to find synonyms for simpler words. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? 
But like, if you speak with me, uh, that's just basically how I, I talk. And I, I am sloppy with language. Like I speak very quickly off the cuff. I don't put a lot of filtering behind it. So like sometimes I'll bastardize two words together or whatever. Is that how you want to tweet moving forward? Or is that moving forward, me being more conscientious of the way I construct the messaging, the, the syntax, all of these things, I think is absolutely necessary to the platform. Not because I'm trying to garner a bigger profile necessarily, not because of monetization purposes, but because of just sheer and utter conscientiousness. Right. Okay, so you weren't using Twitter as effectively being yourself. Wait, what? Oh, but, I was. Because what you're saying is you want to care about the way that you tweet, or you want to tweet differently, or you want to be more concerned about the way things come across. Like yeah. when I use Twitter, I just do whatever the fuck I want. I don't right. think about any of these things. Yeah, that was exactly the point I was saying. I said there, I think there's a hard divide between like 25 and under and then people uh, in their 30s. Right. Where... I'm saying that when I use Twitter, I use Twitter as my own thing. Yes, As, as me as a person. Yeah, You're I saying you do you. not do that. Oh, well, I do do that. Oh, so what is the he's difference? He's saying he doesn't want to do that. I'm saying I don't think that's responsible. Why? Because I think it's irresponsible when, whenever you are an adult man with 30,000 followers. They like, follow you because they like you. It's an asymmetric platform now. If, right. he, if he goes and talks with literally anybody, it's, he has a megaphone and they have to whisper. So any single, whether it's a, a, good conver, a, a good argument or a bad argument, he drowns out whoever he's, he's talking to. And he'll have people that rally with him if he has a good argument or a bad argument. Right, and it doesn't matter. You're just going to ratio someone. So yeah. now he has this power that they can never, they'll walk away feeling bad. Mm. And right. that, the last thing you want is for people not to be critical of you for fear of being ratioed or being, the, yeah. being silenced because mm. you're wielding <clears throat> your, your uh, audience against them. I mean, Doug did this. Like, I purposefully never clapped back for years. Okay. Because he had a bigger megaphone. I, I mean, I, LeMan has been around since the beginning. I can't tell you how many times I've said it's not worth responding to the guy who has the bigger megaphone. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that just empirically true or is that just how you feel? It's just empirically true. Okay. Right? It's, it's similar to the destroyed. example that, that Andre gave with Run It Up. Right? Yeah. They were doing something very comparable with one third the audience. Mm. And they would just get inundated by people who were trying to end them. I think you tried to, like, you were making some sort of argument with... Um with Mercier, like back in the day, you had like probably had like under 5,000 followers or something. He had, you know, and he said something like, like, oh, that's gonna, oh, that's great. That's gonna go out to your, your 3,000 followers or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was similar. So that's, like, that's another thing that I've become hyper aware of. I see what is, you're saying. Is people who are clout chasing mm -hmm. that will try to engagement farm you. And I've fallen victim to yeah. this a million times too. They'll bait yeah. you into responding yeah. to get more traction on their own yeah. shit. Yeah. And it's easy to, it's obviously easy to drown out the people with eggs as avatars. And it's easy to drown out people that uh, come with something really stupid that isn't worth responding to. Yeah. It's the person who has, you know, 1,200 followers right. that says something pseudo intelligent, but is dead wrong, just setting you up for you to dunk on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Only to realize that, like, this is now going to turn into a 15 part tweet thread. Yeah. And it's exactly what they wanted. Right. Mm. I think, well, I think every single thread that Dom Nietzsche and myself have ever engaged with each other on has originated that way. 
where it was a thread that was started by somebody who was effectively a nobody that reaped all of the benefits of me and Dom just arguing back and forth when neither one of us were originally in the thread. What was, what's the benefit besides just engagement on their own things? Because it's not like somebody's Twitter presence is going to skyrocket because of one interaction between you and Dom No, but you, you, do, you can do this they at do scale. do it enough times. Yeah, how do you think we all do following. I, I don't mean to... No, this is going to sound more narcissistic than it's meant to, but how do you think you got to 25,000 followers so fast? Well, Reply guy. I got, no, I just got lucky <laughs> and I just got lucky and I worked with Joey and I worked with people that had a bigger platform than I did. Yeah, but your reply yeah, guy name game those was people. strong. What? Start to name those people. People that had a bigger following than I did. Yeah, they're in this room. Name yeah. Me, Joey, Sean, right. people that you're interacting on the regular who had five times your following are amplifying you. Right, you you become the reply guy, who suddenly becomes the guy. And it's yeah. the same thing with me. I I got my following from yeah. being friends with Mercier, Dan O'Brien, and a bunch of other guys who had much more of a following than I did. Well, I mean, yes, this is true. And then it comes with the, I mean, for the sense of like doing more of effective content creation. Because if I just only did the, the quote unquote reply guy speech, I don't get the twenty five k. I don't get the 25K without doing podcasts with Joey. I don't get the 25K without doing commentary with Joey. I don't get the 25K without doing podcasts here with you. I think you're too focused on the micro. The point is, it can only go so much, right? Name another quote-unquote reply guy that you know that you would think is strictly reply guy that has, call it, over 10K followers on Twitter from Poker Twitter. Well, poker is a different... Beast, right? right, we're talking about the we're, platform we're talking as a just whole. in aggregate. Like you can, you okay, can see so with all of Mr. Beast's friends at scale. But they work with him on their content. I understand, but yeah, but you can't name a single one of their their names. Well, I do watch their content, so it's not the point. But anyways, my point is, it's different than them just replying them on Twitter, right? They do effective other work outside of that that kind of builds their own platform under the umbrella of his. Because if they just only talk to him on Twitter, they don't get the X million, right? If he replies to them, they do. Sometimes you go from like, call it 1K to 10K or 1K to 50 or whatever. But these guys have millions themselves. But see, this is the thing. Like that, that's, it's so easy for you to overlook because that just happened overnight for you. Do you know how hard it is to get a thousand followers on Twitter? It's very hard. Okay, listen, while we're on that subject, I have 997 (laughs) followers. I'm going to need three people to follow me. Or I'm going to have to just start replying to everything Berkey says. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. If right? you interacted so, with me more, we'd get you to 2,000 overnight. Honestly, every time, literally every time you like quote t- tweet me or something like that, I get like 50 to 100 followers. But yeah, it is very hard to get to 1,000. I've been on Twitter since, I mean, I don't tweet a lot, right? So obviously that, that's part of it. But I've been on Twitter since 2012 or 13. And I have... 997. It also just depends on how much effective, like how much you kind of do or care about it in the first place. Because if you don't tweet and if you're just around reply, quote unquote, reply guying, it's not like you're going to go very far in that regard. Uh, you just won't. I think, I think you're projecting a little bit. There's a lot a of people bit, that reply to not, Joey. There's a lot of people that reply to you. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think you're projecting a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. It's not that important. We're not trying to invalidate your process. I'm not invalidating myself. And I'm not talking about my process <laughs> of how you. I got to 25K. I don't care about that. 998. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Danielle, our, our former uh, past oh, academy. I thought you meant Yee. I was going to say, how offensive. No, no, Dan, no Danielle Strike. Oh, if, 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 if Yee hasn't followed me, 999, that's, we're almost there. That's the bullshit. Yeah. Um, but it's just we game. did it. <laughs> see? You see how easy that is? <laughs> yeah. You have a podcast, you can say, follow me on Twitter. Thank you. Just Thank like that. You. But, 
BR like seven. If you're not following already, he's he's a good time on there, guys. He'll tweet you some barbecue recipes. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna have to look. I mean, uh, we might have to get a Twitter strategy carved out for you, buddy. I mean, we're gonna have to get like weekly recipes carved out. Uh, you know, some maybe controversial stuff. Some some know, tortoise some memes. Engagement farming. Well, yeah. I have karaoke videos of him. Karaoke oh. video. He's gonna step solid. his meme game up a lot. Yeah, but that's part of growing the Twitter following. Mm-hmm. It's not just reply guying. Right. If he actually started to care about Twitter, I don't you'd care be anymore, Landon. Maybe. Like you're 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 taking this way 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 too far and way too out of context. I don't think I am. Uh, I don't. All right, what what point are you trying to make? If <laughs> we could see everything you said, started following you. Twitter's Christian. Chin just wow. started following. Wow. What the hell? That's you better fuck block up. him. Thanks, thanks, Chin. <laughs> Well, Landon just followed. I, I had know. to beg him. I might have to you should block I'm Christian a- back in return. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move off of this and put a put a bow on this 100th episode. We have five winners for the homeschool giveaway. They've been chosen. Mark Wagner, who also included a Lando bingo card, or Landon bingo card. Mm-hmm. We'll have to check that out at some point. Rosie, D- oh, why? Why do you do this to me, man? Pick people with, like, can Not her last name be... of a name. What is it? Wait. Can her last know. name just be Smith? Could be. Desprez? Why am I always the one who tries it first? It's, Rye uh, Hillen, Josh yeah. K, and Col- Coulter Lammy. You five will be emailed access to the Solve for Why homeschool. Wait. Wait. Emailed access? You have to give them access. No. Here's what, has, here's what happens. You winners go to solveforwhy.io, sign up for the free account. That's all you need to do. Well, they already did that. Or else okay, they don't well, if they already did that, then all I have to do is uh, I will go and I'll just give you access and you will have access right. by the end of the day. My bad. Okay. Yep. So, yes, through your solvefory.io account, you will now have access to the homeschool. It's the homeschool 2.0, correct? Yes, homeschool, homeschool 2.0. 2.0. So, look for that on your dashboard. The Le manager will give you access before the end of the day. Uh, Want to give another shout out to everybody who hit us with super chats. We really appreciate you guys sticking it out for us with the hundredth uh, episode. Shout out to Nick Vertucci in the channel. Congratulations on launching the new When's pod. When's the only friends hustler stream? Wait, say that again. When's the only friends hustler stream, Nick? Only mm. friends hustler stream. The when? fans want it. When? Uh, yeah, you tell us, man. We'll figure it. We'll, we'll podcast from uh, from the Vertucci studio. Mm-hmm. Well. We're just gonna Let's cover talk up. about the Only Friends stream first. He's gonna make we'll me call sauce it. gravy first, though. No, that that will never happen. Uh, yeah, can't That's do it. The most ridiculous thing. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, please like, subscribe, leave a comment below. We appreciate you. We're gonna be back to normal tomorrow for a regular one-hour stream. Conrad will be back in the building. I think we're gonna be live at 4 p.m. tomorrow to accommodate his travel schedule because he's a prima donna. Uh, the rest of the week uh, is still up in the air. Not really sure. We're going to test out some times, see what's different. Um, we obviously know how the noon slot performs after the WSOP, but I want to look at some later afternoon uh, time slots as well, especially because Landon and Melissa will be in LA from Wednesday on. So at a minimum, it'll be me, Brian, and Conrad. So if for you guys week. know any celebrities you want to set me up with, mm. I can clear my schedule. Maybe Bradley Cooper. Bradley, Bradley might be I'll be around. Ryan Gosling, I'll, talk, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll be around. 
I got you. No. You're you're out after today. I think Andre? so, but we'll see. I'm gonna try to come in. Yeah, okay. come in tomorrow. Good one here. Yeah, you. maybe Brian will bring, bring you a little barbecue. Yeah, maybe. Probably uh, not. Okay. A little barbecue. Nick Bertucci says, "Let's do it." So oh, binding. Man. That is binding. Chat mm -hmm. is binding. Uh, hold, now hold on a second. Uh, uh, I I don't want to I don't want to commit to something that you don't want to do it. No, no, no well, I do. I just don't want to commit to something we haven't in. thought through. Like I don't want to go to Hustler and just have the six of us playing. Why? That would be so fun. But we could do that anywhere. So we we want to play against their whales. Okay, so like put in one or two. Like there's only six of us. We don't have to do six max. Yeah, no. Like you and Lamana could play the Monday stream. Uh, and no, we're not dividing up. This is a group effort. <laughs> Just because you want to play, you can Man, negotiate she really wants that separately. To stack your ass. I mean, okay, the, fine. The I content guess. would be so good. Okay, hey, you have a vision. I don't. I, I don't do. want to trample it without I do have knowing. A vision. Okay, she has a vision, Nick. Talk to my talk to my manager over yeah. here. She has it all locked down. Uh, but if we get a game and it's for multiple days, then we're gonna have to take over your studio and do a podcast also. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. we have to fill that time slot. Yeah, uh, and you know, I know that your your set is beautiful, um, but I hope with the twelve logos of the Nick Vertucci show that are on the wall, <laughs> we can maybe find a little room to put up a tiny little Only Friends banner, if uh, if at all possible. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe we just bring like a little flag. I don't know. All right, thank you guys again for joining us. We will be back. 4 p.m. tomorrow, and then at some other point in time the rest of the week. We'll see you guys then. 1009.